the potential to be able to work with them and have that be something that supports my family and my life and 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 gets me engaged with other people, which is something I was missing in my in my youth was that engagement on a real level with other people. It's got this it's like this perfect storm of of awesomeness for me, you know. This is From the Ground Up, the story of me starting my reptile business. All right, everyone, welcome to number 42, 43, 44, somewhere in the mid-40s of From the Ground Up. Um, first, I'm going to give a little plug, and if you can't see the shirt that I'm wearing, the Snakes and Beer shirt, um, we have those available on our website, as well as the Port City Python shirt. More importantly, um, our guest who's going to be on next week, Ari Flagel, he is going on a trip to Indonesia to do some research on Boland's pythons, and he has a shirt that the proceeds are going to be going towards his research over... Um, in Indonesia and Papua New Guinea or wherever Boland Pythons are. We'll talk about it all next week, but um, definitely go check it out. I'll put a link on there. But today we have uh, Brian Cusco from Triple B. Brian keeps retics, balls, and all that good stuff. Um, Brian, give us a little overview on what you work with and uh, what you do over there. Well, I work with just about anything I can get my hands on, but it, mostly pythons over here. Uh, you mentioned retakes of balls. I've also got a couple of scrub pythons. Got a carpet python that I recently got from my, my buddy Travis. Uh, got a couple of corn snakes, a blood python, one one solitary boa constrictor. And that's that's about it for right now. And then, of course, you guys may know Brian from YouTube. So when did you start your YouTube and what's kind of your goal behind your YouTube channel? Well, it was about two years ago, I think is when I actually started it. And we actually just uploaded episode 99 this morning. Um, and the goal with it is is just basically to get more people aware about the snake community and get, get people together in the snake community, in the reptile community. And the ultimate goal i'd say would be to bring together the young and the old the the experienced keepers the old school keepers have been doing it since you know i was in my diapers and and before with the keepers who are just getting into it and and bridge the gap between those guys so we can all learn from each other and hear everybody's experiences because the more we do that i think it just furthers the community it furthers knowledge and that's one of the main goals i'd i'd love to travel around the entire country doing interviews with people in the community and even the world um which i've done a little bit but i'd like to be doing it on a, on a bigger scale more more often you know not just every now and then but like every every couple weeks at least would be the, the goal and I, you mentioned that, you know, since you were in your diapers, and if no one saw, um, we got a picture from your childhood earlier, and we're going to put it up as a cover art of when I was Santa, and you were just you were just a wee little girl, and I was holding you right on my lap. <laughs> I like your style, bro. <laughs> uh, there's not, not too many people who meet me for the first time are comfortable calling me a little girl. It's, uh, it takes a special person. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, that's kind of our thing. We kind of get the making fun of the guests out of the way pretty much immediately with the cover art and doing an embarrassing Photoshop. But 
Huh? Oh, I thought it was beautiful. I I was <laughs> I, I loved it. <laughs> okay, good. I am that little boy on Santa's lap. <laughs> Because some, some people don't like the self-deprecating stuff. I don't care. All my YouTube things are with weird faces, and I'm sure you're kind of the same way. Once the camera gets into your everyday life, it's like there's not much to hide. People see you in all different lights. Yeah. I mean, well, there is editing, and and there is uh, – I can choose what I do point the camera at, although any anybody who's watched my channel it probably can witness and tell you that I, I don't tend to – edit out a lot of the stuff that maybe most people would you know sitting on yeah. the toilet stuff like that <laughs> <laughs> i mean yeah those are the little glimpses of life that i mean it's something that gives a personal touch sometimes and i mean it's hard because i don't know if you feel the same way i have a hard time like being myself on your youtube channel so on your end how do you exactly do that and you think you came a long way since the beginning um, yeah, I, I go back and I watch my very first episode of Triple B TV, and I look at that guy and I and I wonder what he thought he was doing, and and why he maybe didn't prepare himself a little better to be on camera. But I, and I still wake up every morning and I and I do the same thing kind of, but I, I just got I've gotten a little more comfortable with it. Sure, I was I was very much not comfortable, and I was still I was still myself, but I was my my uncomfortable self and my, my little bit, uh, self, uh, oh, I've lost the word. I, I joined, I partook in the beer part of the, uh, of the festivities. It's already having an effect. Um, self-conscious. I was, I was a bit self-conscious and I think maybe I still am to a degree at point at times, but I've definitely gotten to a point where I don't care what people think of me. Because that's just me. I don't know. I can't be anybody else. It's just me. And not everybody's going to like that. And I'm okay with that, you know? No, Everybody doesn't like everybody. Otherwise, this world would be boring. You know, it wouldn't make sense. There has to be light. There has to be dark. There has to be good. There has to be bad. And if everybody likes me, then there'd probably be something really wrong with me. It wouldn't be right. It wouldn't be right if everybody liked me. Yeah, something I mean, that's a, if everyone likes what you're doing, there's a clear sign either you're not exposed to enough people or you're not pushing the boundary enough. Yeah. Yeah, or or you're just or you're bending to everything, and you're, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's luckily most people seem to enjoy what what I'm putting out, at least what they tell me. Every now and then there is a person that that has something to say that's not <laughs> not pretty, you know. But and that's good. I like. I prefer. I I wish that I like when people say that. You know, like if the the whole like dislike thing on YouTube. I'm not a huge fan of that. I, I really, I've never disliked anybody's video just because I don't see the point in it. Like, if there's something I don't like about it, I'd rather tell them. Or and the same for me. If somebody doesn't like something, I'd I'd like to hear about it because the opposing ideas, the opposing viewpoints, those are what help me grow as a person. You know, and help me understand more about what what's out there and what people are like. You know, if if everybody agrees with you, you don't you don't learn anything from that. It'd be great. And then it's like the moments over, you know, I like the moments where somebody has a different viewpoint that doesn't mesh up with my own and I can learn about that and why that is and, and expand my own mind. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a lot of way to put negative stuff on a YouTube comment and all that. But I mean, like really what I want is constructive criticism, you know, and like there's someone who goes around and thumbs down every one of my videos and says weird stuff on it. But how do you deal with, I mean, you had a controversial video. I don't know if you want to talk about it straight up. It's not controversial to me, but some people got really mad about it. 
Um, I don't want to speak. I don't want to throw it out there. You might know what I'm talking about, but if you want to talk about it, talk there's about a, it. If you don't, you don't. There's a couple. There's a couple. I'm I'm only assuming. I'm gonna go ahead and assume that you're talking about the uh, the legalization of marijuana video. Exactly. That, yeah. That's yeah. That's uh, you know, it's I, I grew up with it, you know, and and, see, and saw the effects of people drinking versus people smoking. And so it was never a big deal. In my experience growing up, I saw people do the stupidest, stupidest stuff, drinking and drunk, just violent, like criminal behavior. And I never saw that with people who were smoking, you know? So for me, I was like, well, what's, what's the big deal? And now that it, you know, when I, when I actually made that video, it had already passed as legal in our state. So it wasn't like I was trying to push for it with that video it's like i was just kind of asking what people's thoughts were in other parts of the country or world because we you know it was legal now in california mm-hmm. and many other states which it should have been a long time ago in my opinion and that's just i do feel somewhat strongly about it because i or very strongly about it just because in my experience like it never should have been illegal in the first place but that's just my opinion yeah, I mean, there's just, I mean, that's a whole nother story. But I mean, I think I just respect the fact that you're cool with putting that kind of stuff out there. And that's kind of the stuff because that also shows on the snake side, you know, sometimes we are given the highlights of our life, but there's bad shit that happens in the snake side. So I feel like I could trust you knowing that you're vulnerable, say, putting your shit out there so that if anything happened, you know, you're vulnerable enough to talk about it on camera, whether it be snakes, whether it be life, anything like that. Sure. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. Um, and I, I do. That is one of my life policies, if you will. It's, it's I try to make it that, you know, sometimes it's tough to be 100 percent open and honest, especially if you feel like the vulnerability is going to have an ill effect on you. If it's if making yourself vulnerable is going to cause you harm, emotional harm, physical harm, you know, that, that's caused to be defensive and not want to share everything with everybody but i i like to think that people are open up that people are smart enough out there to know that you don't have to agree on everything and it doesn't just because you disagree on something doesn't make you a bad person for that person and we can all see that people have different viewpoints and and that's okay we don't have to agree on everything and again to my other point that's a good thing because then we learn why we don't agree and learn more about how somebody came to believe what they believe to be their own personal truth or opinions. And it's a good thing. It's a good thing in my opinion, you know? And, and yeah, yeah, I, I do, I do like to be open because when you start hiding stuff, you know, I learned that I learned this through experience that if, if you hide things and you try to be secretive about it and like, it, it, eventually it comes out, you know, the truth always comes out and the, the longer you spend trying to hide it and cover it up, but it finally does, you know? So if you just get it out there right from the beginning, right in the open, it's not that bad, you know? Speaking of things like that, are there any failures that you've experienced in your snake, I guess, career as of yet? Um, yeah. Uh, shoot, uh, often, you know, like when I accidentally stick my finger in a piece of poo. I never mean to do that. <laughs> I really don't. Like I, I tried to grab the paper towel. I, I had a box of gloves, but I, I never even, I think maybe I put on a pair of gloves once. And um, so I've been a little lighthearted about it. <laughs> my experience. Yeah. It, um, but the poop is definitely one. That's the real thing. I never mean to stick my finger in poop. And every time I stick my finger in poop, I, I go, damn it. 
I failed because <laughs> I'm trying not to stick my finger in the poop. I'm trying to use paper towels, grab with the substrate in a way that I don't actually have to touch my fingerprint I and make a little thing. mark on the poop. You know, <laughs> I don't want to do that because then it means I have to wash my hand and then, you know, it's, it's unsanitary. And so every time I do that, I, I consider it a failure. <laughs> I think people are just like, why don't you just wear gloves? But fuck you. I don't want to buy gloves. I'm going to use a paper towel. I have towel. boxes of gloves sitting around. I have boxes of gloves sitting. <laughs> and I, I just don't – I like I – maybe maybe there's a secret part of me that really actually does like sticking my finger in the poop. And I'm trying to suppress it. I don't know. That's don't a know. whole nother podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've yeah, I've had – well, what I consider fit – I had a, um, a red tail boa. And I, I don't know that it was my – I considered it my failure because the snake passed away in my care. Um, but it was it was a young snake when it got in, you know, and, and I know that boas have, especially BC, uh, BCCs, have very temperamental or sensitive uh, digestive systems. And you need to feed them small meals and not very often. But still, uh, this, this snake just – didn't, wasn't digesting well for whatever reason was was regurging of course i had all the temps correcting i'm not a, i'm not a dunce at that point with temps i've got my heat gun i'm checking hot spots i'm making sure everything is good you know that, that this this is only a year and a half ago so i know how to check my hot spots i know how to make sure that the environment is correct but for some reason this snake was just regurgitating meals and uh i try i gave her breaks you know i, I talked with the guy i got them from who were very experienced keepers and and you know, I said, they said, wait this certain amount of time before you offer again. So I took all their advice and waited and tried to do what I could. But then, you know, one day I came in and, and she was just gone. So that felt like a pretty, that was a pretty big failure in my opinion. It it sucked. I hate that. You know, it's like the snake is relying on you to provide its care. And when, it, when an animal dies like that, it's like the worst possible feeling of failure that you, that you can experience as a keeper, I think. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's so shitty that we work with something that when you mess up, it's the cost of an animal's life that solely depends on you. I think that's something um, unique to our situation and, you know, something that people try to not get out there. But, I mean, we've all had those learning experiences like that. Yeah. Yeah, it was tough because, well, I guess the, t- the reason I consider it, the biggest reason I consider it a failure is because, I don't know that I learned anything from that particular experience. I, I don't, I didn't cause I was trying to do, I thought I had everything good and you know, maybe it was just some issues she was having. Maybe something in travel caused her to, I, I don't know. I don't know. That's, I don't, I hate to dwell on it, but <laughs> you brought yeah. it up and it's, it's, that's a failure. That's a yeah. Failure I mean, that's me. also shitty. They don't talk, they don't do anything. So you never really know now on more of a successful note. Um, what do you have going this year? Either ball pythons, retics. Um, what do you have breeding? Um, breeding wise, I've got I've got a few ball pythons pairing up. I'm still deciding whether or not this is going to be the first year that I breed retics or not. I, that that pied female I was talking about before we went live. Um, one of the reasons she was sent to me was to breed. <laughs> Excuse me, and I don't have a male for it yet, so. <laughs> So that's that's a thing. So I, I'm not sure that I'll breed retics this year or not. And, and a big part of that is wanting to make sure that I have homes for all the animals that I would produce. And, and I've got a good list going, but I don't want to bring those animals into the world not feeling secure about 
being able to find them all good homes. Because with a retake, I mean, with a ball python, it's much easier. I can guide somebody, you know, even a first-time keeper, I can help them along and, and help them out with that. But the retake, as you know, it, they get huge. And they, they're, it's a big commitment for a person, you know, and to find somebody enough people and retics have big clutches and to find that many responsible people for those snakes is, is kind of a big deal to me. You know, it's, I want, I want to make sure that they're not going to get passed around because somebody decided they couldn't care for it after five years or something, you know? Um, so, sorry, I know the question was about breeding, but that's, that's what's <laughs> been on my mind recently about breeding is no, which is... I've got some cool, Go ahead. I've got some cool ball pythons pairing up, but I'm I'm not necessarily gonna. I, I've been in the past to date. I've shared every single detail about every one of my pairings, and I think I might hold back on that a little bit. What do you What do you think about that? Wait, sorry, I was just answering someone on the chat exactly. You asked <laughs> right, question. You wouldn't expect and me to ask you for questions. the for the chat. I'm sorry, I'm I can't answer a bunch of your questions. Obviously, I'm here alone. Um, Melissa's not here, so yeah. yeah so she she, le- she left questions. him. She left him hanging tonight, guys. You got to cut him a little bit of slack, all right? Yeah. He's therefore, we solo. are gonna go off the rails. Um. So, what was your question? <laughs> what do you think about sharing every one of your pairings versus keeping some pairings in secret, or uh, keep or not sharing them publicly wide in the open? Um, what do you think I about that? I share pretty much everything from on my YouTube channel, especially this year. This year will be a lot bigger of a year than last year. Um, I've pretty much already, even on my Instagram story, I put down my notebook where I said possible pairings and stuff like that. I already put that down. Um, quite frankly, I've shown exactly on the Core Snake groups what I'm going to pair up with things that I know are going to have some demand. So I put up, yeah, I'm pairing this ghost stripe to this lava terrazzo and all this stuff. So, um, you know, look out for that. I think it's getting hype done. Um, no one can exactly do the project I'm doing because unlike ball pythons, it's not stuff all the genes in. It's stuff all the genes in, plus there's some line breeding, plus this is just an excellent example of this animal. So. It, no one can really duplicate my pairing, but I don't know. On the ball python, you guys are working with all the same ingredients, all the same level of the ingredients, so it's kind of a different market. True, true. That's a good point. Um, my reason for even thinking of not sharing everything this year is, well, I, I'm about to launch a Patreon account, which is a new thing for me, and, and one of the things was going to be you know, a benefit or reward for patrons was to get an inside scoop on some of the breeding stuff. That was one of the thoughts. I haven't set that in stone yet. I, I have, I'm still gathering information from all my, my subscribers and everybody that follows me to find out what they want. Cause it's about really about, about what they want. But that was one of my ideas was to offer up, um, insight to what the parents are going to be. And if I just spread those all over the place, then I won't be able to offer that as a benefit. That's the only reason I've been thinking about it. I know some people do it to, you know, not have everybody copy what they're doing or, or, you know, try to do something different. And there, there are some ball Python things that are, you know, like new genetic traits that come in and only a handful of people working or only even one person is working with them. And that instance, yeah, that's, Mm-hmm. It, it, do exactly what you're talking about with your parents where nobody else can duplicate it so it doesn't matter um i i'm still honestly i'm still on the fence about it that uh, i i am going to try for more sunsets um for sure i mean anybody in their right mind would <laughs> because they're incredible and they're at the peak of their 
you know, their, their value in, in the hobby. So, uh, and man, if you saw some of these, it was, it was amazing to see those things come out of the egg, man. Just incredible. I don't, so you don't, you don't keep any ball pythons at all. No, no, I used to have them. Um, I had like the ball python snake aids go through my whole collection and tried to treat them forever Ooh. and lost like half my collection. Another thing, and I'm open with telling everyone that I don't give a shit because like it is out there in the ball python world. A lot of ball python breeders know about it, whether there's some type of viruses, you know, people call our eyes, but there's a bunch of shit going on that obviously affects a whole bunch of animals, you know, people with large collections, I'm sure have seen it and. There's just a lot of stuff flowing out there uh, with the green trees. We're starting to see nidovirus, which is fucking right. everywhere, man. So we're starting to see some of the probably downfall of us captive breeding generation after generation, keeping them in tubs, all this shit. I don't know what the cause of this is, but it all multiplies when all your snakes are so close to each other and you're communally, you know, like, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I hear what you're saying. Um yeah, I think there's there's a lot of work to be done there to find out what causes that and what what can be done to help prevent it and genetic work, genetic work to find out the the cause of lots of things is something I'd like to see happen, you know, going forward. I, I know we've got the uh, the Burmese python genome has been mapped out. I'm assuming that's in connection with the, the efforts in Florida to remove them from the wild um, is why that happened, but. But why are they to... so hardy in the wild and why do they get our eyes all the time in captivity? Um, and just I just feel like reptile medicine is in the Stone Ages in comparison to, you know, all the other advances we've made elsewhere. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah, but... I think we're going to be seeing some changes in that in the near future. Mm -hmm. I really do. It's It's coming up. I think what's interesting, nice. I think what's interesting on your end as far as, um, I think you have some insight just looking at your collection on how the ball python market works. You're not exactly going after all the common things that I see people do as far as, you know, you're making like 60 pastels or something. You're going high end because um, if people don't know, ball pythons are kind of a pyramid scheme. You want to get on top as far as you can so that you're not producing a lot of these low-level animals. So like you said, you need to give them good homes. So what's your idea on you know getting into investments and stuff like that in the ball python market? Well, I mean, people, the cliche thing to say is you know work with what you like, mm -hmm. which is true. And I, I think you yeah. should. You know, If you don't like what you're doing, then it's pointless. You know, why are you doing it? Um, I made a video recently that was actually the help of my, my buddy Garrett to help me come up with the idea. He actually, he came up with the idea and I gave birth to it on a YouTube video and it was about investment snakes. You know, was a, the title of the video was like uh, $2,000 for a snake, question mark, exclamation points. And it just basically talked about the idea of investment snakes and, you know, what what would be a good move there. And the specific example I brought up was clowns because I really like clown stuff and it, it seemed like a good thing to talk about. And now, now when I turn around, I look and it seems like everybody and their mother, not that this wasn't happening already, mm -hmm. but I just noticed it right after that. I looked around and everybody wants to buy clown ball pythons. Like right you cannot after find. Right after Kabelka put out all of his clown stuff, 
people went fucking nuts. And I saw the shift to where that's one of the oldest morphs in the fucking game is the clown. <laughs> and it's like, this was okay, whatever. It's a fucking clown. And then Kabelka came out with the Batman and all that stuff. And people freaked the fuck out. And now everyone has clowns. And I don't know. I, I've, I like clowns from the beginning. I mean, Justin, yeah, makes the, the, the clowns that Justin produces are incredible. But what I mean, pisses I, me I, off is that everyone chases his project instead of their own. They try to produce oh, the same fucking thing as he is. Yeah, yeah, no, I, that's that's true. Well, you know, that you see people see success in something, people see something done well, and they want to emulate it. You know, it's only natural. Like when I was learning to play guitar, I was trying to play like the people I was learning to play, you know, that I listened to, and I was like, oh, they're badass. I need to learn some of those licks, you know. Um, so it makes sense. To an extent, I, I can understand why you, if not necessarily a good thing on a whole, but dude, just yes, just to go back to Justin Snakes, man, that guy's clown ball pythons that he's producing, he's got a great vision, you know, his because yeah. he, he had the idea like, we're gonna put this with this, and I think it's gonna come out awesome, and it did. He, yeah. I, I walked by his table at Tinley this past October, and I was just blown away by how beautiful his snakes were man just and i told him i was like dude you got the best you got the best snakes at this show on your table man I, but i don't think people they just, realize they blow me away it's kind of his vision that gets him to that next level not the actual morph because he took what everyone had and threw away which is leopards spot nose and clowns crusty old morphs that no one was working with but had the vision to put all that stuff together and make amazing stuff all of a sudden the stuff is hot again but it's not going to be hot forever since everyone's since the supply is going to go up and you have to have that vision to make your own project whether you're Aussie Boyds or or like you if you're going into sunset stuff um, obviously there's a much smaller margin of people in the sunset stuff and that's obviously a really good investment plus you do well at marketing um, you're not a person who breeds stuff and doesn't talk to anyone you have a YouTube channel you're on podcasts you're doing all this stuff so I think there's just a lot of factors to put into success in ball pythons or snakes in general yeah yeah I agree and I mean for me I, I just have fun with it. It's something I've enjoyed doing. I've enjoyed snakes since I was a little kid, you know, since I was some of my first memories is being amazed with snakes. And the the potential to be able to work with them and have that be something that supports my family and my life and what, and, and gets me engaged with other people, which is something I was missing in my in my youth was that engagement on a real level with other people. It's got this, it's like this perfect storm of, of awesomeness for me, you know, getting to work with things I've always loved, being able to use that to help support my family and connect with the world is like, I, I'm mind blown by it. It's something that I couldn't have even imagined happening like this. You know, I, I was going into it completely blind when I came back and, and moved back from Hawaii. Cause I, I lived in Hawaii for 10 years or 12 years, and I completely cut off from snakes at that point. You know, I had green sea turtles, and those were, those were my reptile friends in Hawaii. And then when I moved back and jumped back into it, kind of completely blind. I knew nobody. I was the only person I knew in my life really that kept snakes growing up, you know. And then came back here a few years ago, and I was like, what was, there's people everywhere doing this. There's like a whole crazy thing. And... I'm still kind of figuring it out, you know. I'm I'm very much even though I got my first pet snake when I was 4 years old. 
I've, I've said this before. I'll say it again. I'll probably say it for the rest of my life. I consider myself to be a noob. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm a noob. I'm still learning. I've got a lot to learn on every aspect of it. Um, and <laughs> now I'm completely rambling. That's why it's a good. No, no, that's left. absolutely. <laughs> the the second you think you have it all figured out is when I know that you don't have anything figured out because none of us know. These are snakes that you can't tell. I try to look at my snakes, know what's going on, but at the end of the day, man, I don't know what's going on. It's a snake that doesn't talk, and it's hard to even visual cues and physical cues you know to understand these things yeah definitely okay so i'm gonna jump back to your breeding project question and i'll tell you oh shit we didn't even get into that did we (laughs) (laughs) i i i I deflected the question that's classic (laughs) i triple 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 recessive stuff um getting and not just any triple recessive, not just any group of recessives and putting them together to make an animal that has these recessives, but I've, that's what I've been putting a lot of thought into is I, I do know, one, because it's a longer project, it takes patience. You have to wait to, to actually get homozygous animals on, you know, with, with three recessive genes. It, it takes time. It takes patience. And, and even like the quadruple level, and not just that. And because it takes so much time, I'm putting a lot of thought into which three or four recessive traits are going to work very, very well together and complement each other very well. And that's something I've been putting a lot of thought into. And I haven't completely figured out exactly what I'm going to do. I'm still thinking about it. I'm still looking and, and researching and, and thinking and putting all of my effort into deciding which recessive traits to put together to do the best possible thing that is gonna that I'm going to look at and be proud of, you know, my accomplishment at the end of the day. So... That's that's one of my breeding projects in focus right now. Are you looking to do the same thing with your retakes? Are you looking to breed your retakes? I mean, if people don't know, um, triple recessive is a lot le- is a lot easier to hit when you have forty babies. So you know, it's a different story. Very true. Very true. Um, again, with the retakes, I I don't know how much retake breeding I will be doing, simply because of how many animals are produced and. It's, regardless of how popular it becomes, it's, in my opinion, not, you know, not for the entirety of their life. It's a big commitment. You're not talking about a, a little snake that you can just, it's, it's a workout, you know, physically, you know, I mean, it's like working with, <laughs> I don't know how to compare. I saw a lady put a post up the other day about working with a, you know, she had a snake and somebody jumped on and said, oh, how, how are you going to, you know, they assumed that she couldn't handle it because she was a, a girl or a female, a woman. <laughs> and, and and her reply was, so do you think I can't work with horses either? And I was like, that's a good point. That's a good point. Horses are big animals. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, we talked but, about that a, a whole lot last week with Megan about the anacondas with Megan Kelly. So it's like, you know, she feels... You know, there's really no difference between a female with a snake, a female or male, whatever. I mean, there's really yeah. no difference. And and my point there is it doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman. I think it takes a certain person to dedicate 25 years of their life to a, a big snake like that. You know, and, and there's not a lot of those people out there, you know. I mean, a dog, like I hear your dog barking back there. They're a commitment too, and they take they take a lot of time and, and effort, but they they also don't live nearly as long. You know, they live like half the time. You know, an old, an old dog, and and they're 
easy. They, they come along and they give they give this this unconditional love. They're easy to fall into caring for, you know. Whereas what I I feel like a lot of people see a snake and unfortunately they can dismiss it after a couple of years. They're like, okay, I've I've had a few years of this animal. I'm kind of over it. I'm just going to try and find a different home for it, you know. And that happens a lot. And I I don't want to see that happen with any animals that I produce. So I 1000% agree. Plus um, something that Ryan always says at shows is in the first year, are you ready to buy three separate cages that this animal grows? It literally retakes grow so fast that you need to get three cages within a year or two. So, I mean, it's fiscal commitment, a physical commitment, just the fact that most people aren't into snakes for any more than like five years or so. There's so many, you know, reasons that it's not the best idea for yeah. everyone. True. True. So you just you just said, like I, keeping them and yeah, well, yeah. With retics, I mean, they're the smartest snake I've ever seen. You know, um, I think that I, I haven't kept indigo snakes yet, but I I would like to at some point. And but without having kept them, I'd like to say they're probably a close second as far as intelligence of non-venomous well, snakes. Well, it's just because you um, haven't uh, kept a king cobra yet, bro. What are you doing? Well, I said, that's why I said non-venomous. <laughs> <laughs> Which might make you a less intelligent human if you want a king cobra. Intelligent snake, <laughs> less intelligent human. Um, <laughs> I, Sorry, I've held a king cobra people, before. I <laughs> I, I've held a king cobra one time. I held a king cobra once in Indonesia. And Let's talk about fun. Indonesia, dude. Go on, yeah. <laughs> It was one of the most incredible experiences of my life, that's for sure. I was questioning whether or not I wanted to handle it, even up to the, not all the way up to the moment, but before I saw it and the guys that were working with it were incredible, incredible snake keepers. And, and the way they worked with this animal was very impressive. The, the amount of respect they showed it, as well as skill of handling, was next level. You know, it's like, like they, you could tell they work with this animal like, every day all day you know they, they they knew it they were in tune with it. it was like it was almost like they became one with the snake they were they were completely focused on it there's people everywhere in this big mall in indonesia and it's like that snake and that guy were the only two people in the universe you know just like together and he was fully focused on it and i was like <laughs> it was very impressive i it left a very deep mark on me i'll never forget the look of watching this guy work with that snake and reading it and moving with it and and after seeing that happen for a little bit i said okay if he thinks he can they let me hold it <laughs> and he can and i watched i watched how he was doing it you know he somebody else held it before i did um there were there were a few other people i think another local person held it before i did um and just the way they kept its attention as they and they knew what they were doing they, these guys knew exactly what they were doing. Were I they put full, full. No, definitely not. <laughs> I, I put. <laughs> I put full faith in their ability at that point. After watching how they're doing, I, of course, there's risk. I would absolutely have done it. Risk. I would have uh, absolutely done it. So don't feel. Yeah. Bad. <laughs> I couldn't pass it up. I mean, I know there's there's stuff like people like oh it shouldn't be free handling venomous snakes and i probably wouldn't ever on my own but when in indonesia <laughs> when in indonesia yes it's like a taste of the culture it's like i i probably would never ride a bowl either but if you gave me a couple beers and took me 
down to a, a Texas rodeo and somebody, somebody said, just do this and do this and you'll, and just do that. And if this happens, do this. I'd be like, hold on. Yeah. Hold my beer. Hold, hold my beer. <laughs> yeah. <exactly. laughs> yeah. It may have not been the smartest choice in my life, but you know, if you go through life making every single people on podcast can't see this, but I'm doing little quotes around my head right now, quote, unquote, smart things. <laughs> it's it's a it's a life i mean what kind of life is that you know you gotta you gotta live you gotta experience you gotta push the boundaries like you said earlier you gotta push the envelope and get some experience to see what's out there what you can really otherwise you just wake up every day go to a nine-to-five job come home eat some dinner go to sleep that's safe that's very safe you know relatively speaking but you have a sick 401k you know <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, yes. that's uh, what that's what that exact situation frightens me, which is why probably like you, I always go towards the situations that are maybe high risk, but maybe more of a life that I enjoy. Yeah. And and in doing that, I do have to think about I do have children. I do have children. I got to think about them, too, because they, they rely on me for survival. Well, that, that's also that's not entirely true either. They have uh, a I do have kids, and they yeah. they do they have a mother. I, luckily, I come from a I'm very blessed to come from a very solid family, and we all take care of each other. I know if anything happened to any one of us, which can happen, the, everybody else will, will fall in line to make sure that everybody's good. You know, so maybe that's where part of my comfortability. So take your chances. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. That sums it up. <laughs> Definitely. Well, maybe this Melissa is, would show up awesome, at my funeral, man. but <laughs> yeah. But... I mean, this, this is God. This is this is good, man. I, I like this. I'm For not as drunk listening... as I'm gonna be at the end of it, so it's only gonna get worse. Oh, oh no. Um, for those of the, for those of you that don't know, uh, Joe and I have never spoken up until about 10 minutes before we went live on this podcast. And I got to commend you for making me feel comfortable and being a welcome guest on your, on your show here. So good job. Yeah. You got to do a little dick sucking in the beginning be, uh, I love you. I love what you do, man. You know, and then I'm, pretty, make you I'm pretty sure you tried to like make fun of me and put me on Santa's lap as a little boy. I'm pretty sure. I was <laughs> yeah. So what you got to do to make people comfortable is Photoshop them on your lap as a small child and send it out to the world. It's <laughs> uh, good stuff. Good stuff. Um, we always lose oh, track. Of how long are you going to keep the snakes? Um, since, I mean, I have a snake here who's 14. I mean, my, I remember in first grade going into show and tell and I brought a corn snake to show and tell my dad was into snakes. Um, we had corn snakes, iguanas, all types of lizards. Um, we used to always go to the White Plains show. And, um, back in those days, it was like, we would pick up, fucking sounds so ridiculous, but I swear it wasn't that crazy at the time. Um. You would get an animal and the guy who sold it to you would be like, I don't know what it is. And we'd be like, we don't know what it is. And we just kept it like, you know, it was so archaic and all the stuff that went on was so archaic. And to see how crazy it is now going to like an actual business and the stuff that we do now and the stuff that people get in trouble for now that were like, I mean, you always see old school guys who are kind of stuck in that era and you're like, these guys need to catch on or something. But 
Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's crazy how the world has changed since I began. Um, and I didn't really begin at that time. I don't want to act like I was breeding. I never thought that breeding, I didn't know that breeding snakes was a thing until like I was maybe 22 or something, which is, um, no, never mind. I was like 20 or something, which is about five years ago where I noticed I have these snakes and like um, this guy with a ponytail is breeding them together and like maybe that's a thing you know maybe i could breed them and like other people will be like that's cool and then there's all these other things that you can do with them so really i only caught onto what is the current hobby now like five years ago even though i've been keeping for a while even though in high school i got out of it uh like me and eric burke talked about playing guitar gets you more girls than keeping snakes so that's what i did in high school i drank beers and you know went to parties and i didn't care about snakes but i mean now i drink beers and play with snakes and play guitar so you know adulthood <laughs> i see that guitar sitting back there so how long have you been playing guitar uh, since i was in fifth grade so i've been nice. in bands and all weird stuff and i know you play guitar too right what what kind of uh what kind of bands are you playing um, in high school, I was in like an acoustic folk band, and then we had a reggae band, and then we had um, just kind of another folksy type of band. So kind of all different things. Cool, man. I dig it. I dig it. Yeah. <sighs> nice. We've talked about sweet, reptiles man. for like two minutes, so people are probably going to be pissed <laughs> at us. So oh, the, the, we're supposed to be talking about reptiles? Yeah, the, you, here, yeah, you take over. Take over. Indonesia, um, you went to basically a little hut in the woods with a guy with a dick cloth on that will take you to a retic cave. Can you explain a little bit about that? Maybe in more eloquent words? <laughs> well, he was definitely wearing more than the dick cloth. You know, he had on a shirt <laughs> and uh, wow. he had on a very formal headwear. And there, there were a couple, a couple of those guys, actually. Yeah, so we, we rolled into the village. Okay, I, I have to... I have to step back to where I'm talking to Garrett Hartle on the phone and he's telling me about how he used to live in Indonesia. He found out I was going to Indonesia, first of all, and then he called me and said, hey, blah, 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 I want to give you some pointers about it because he lived there for a while and experienced the culture more than most people do. He actually you know, lived there and immersed himself in the culture. What was he doing over there? Just wanted, immersing himself in the culture. Really? And he wanted to go over there and, and, and do yeah. It was awesome. Something I recommend to everybody to do something like that. Just leave your comfort zone and go experience a whole different world than you're used to, man. It's there's nothing better than that for growing yourself as a person. Um so he wanted to give me some pointers on places I should maybe, you know, try to get to and check out. And one of those places was that retic retic cave. Um Ustana Ular, Istana Ular, his name is means like snake palace in, in in English. And basically the equivalent of scribbling a cryptic map on a napkin told me how to get to this place. And I made it a point as soon as he told me about it that this is the one place I need to make sure I go to on this Indonesian trip. And that was it. That was I made that decision. Okay, we're going to Indonesia. I'm going to get to this retic cave, whatever it takes. And before we got over to those islands, the Komodo Islands, um, we were in Bali, and everybody was hanging out. And we had a nice villa. Kyo put us up in this awesome villa. It's like a honeymoon type of suite with like everybody had their own room. Explain who cool. Kyo is. I may know who he is, but explain to everyone else who he is. <laughs> to me, Kyo is an is an awesome 
a local guy in Indonesia who spent some time here in the States going to, uh, I think he went to San Francisco State and got involved in the reptile community here. I know he's friends with Brian Gundy and he knows lots of people out here. He, he was in it in the community part before I ever was. Um, and he has all crazy. He, he has a crazy. You're, you're underselling. He, he keeps crazy animals. He's a fucking I'm, I guess baller. I, he, the, He's baller. Yeah, he's definitely a baller. His parents, <laughs> his, his his parents were in uh, some kind of like shipping. Yeah, he's definitely a baller. I mean, we're sitting at one night. We're sitting at dinner, and he he just gives me the whiskey menu, and he because he knows I really like Scotch whiskey, and he said, you know what, what would you pick here? And I was like, oh, I would definitely get that. And he said, all right. And he like you know snapped his fingers and they they brought it over. I was like, and it was cool because I I I've done stuff like that before in my life, so I can appreciate you know like if you have that kind of money. A thousand dollar bottle of whiskey is not a big deal. It's like, oh, my buddy wants this thousand dollar bottle of whiskey, then we better bring it to the table right now so we can open it. And I was like, yes, yes, he's a baller, absolutely. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, he's probably one of the few people in the world who has a, a permit to keep a a Komodo dragon. Maybe I don't know. You know, he has, he has like plowshares that. shares as well, too. Correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some plowshares and, um, uh. Yeah, it was. Uh, I think there were there were rescues of some kind. There, one of them, he had actually built a. One, one of them was disabled. I think it was like an, an injured animal that came in. I don't. Know, I don't know the story behind it. All I know is that he built this little like contraption so the animal can can get around. It's like constructed this little wheel device, kind of like a wheelchair for okay. a tortoise. Yeah, and that was pretty sweet. And it's super nice guy, man. What a great guy. I owe him. I owe him a drone still. I'm not, I'm not baller enough yet to actually, I didn't, I didn't do anything to his drone just for all the hospitality. He, sh- he showed us while we were there. I told him that I was going to get him a drone. Cause he really liked the drone. You know, he really liked the drone and I wanted him to have one. I still want him to have one. I'm just not baller enough yet to be able to get him that kind of gift. But as soon as I am, he's got to ask him for his card know. number and order it on Amazon in Indonesia. Not a big deal. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so he had us up in this nice spot in, in Bali and everybody seemed to be getting really lackadaisical about the rest of the mission and going to the Komodo islands and what that meant. And, you know, jumping on a plane, which with Brian, you know, he, he's very afraid of, small planes he has a big fear of spying flying on small planes and then Forrest, it was his first time out of the country and he was kind of liking the idea of maybe not traveling anymore just kind of hanging back for a day and i had already made the point before i even left the country that i was going to that that island to find that snake cave and everybody else has kind of seemed like they're gonna fall back and Did i said anyone get like dysentery before that or giardia or um after that actually Forrest did get uh he, he had something some kind of food poisoning or something i think he has nut allergies and but he was just kind of being a really good sport and trying like all the food you know and, and it was it was actually after we got back the, one morning at breakfast he ate something that definitely didn't agree with him we were at uh at david's place um his parents pet shop and Forrest looked like he was going to die and we we're considering forcing him to go to a hospital but he was under the impression that going to the hospital might be the, a worse idea than just sitting it out <laughs> and i tended to maybe agree with him so some like, other I'll... secondary infection that <laughs> only occurred yeah. yeah so so yeah no nobody that was after but 
eventually I told I told them, just like I've told many people before who decided to back out on, on plans that I think are going to be awesome because it's going to be, you know, a little bit of a potential danger. I don't know. I, I said, you know what? Okay, well, I'm going. You guys do whatever you're going to do. If I have to go by myself, I'm going by myself. And luckily... Brian, I mean, it was nice. Brian stepped up and said, you know what? No, I'm, I'm going to go. And he, he came and we went. We jumped on the plane. I thought he was going to get off the plane because of how he was, he was living in his seat, like shaking. And because of how, you know, nervous he was about the, that small plane flight. Because the guys, the, Keo and his buddy were like telling him, oh, no, it's a regular plane. It's not a little dinky propeller plane. It's like a regular jet that flies you there. And we get there and it's a propeller, propeller little propeller plane. <laughs> and we're expecting <laughs> and I, anything else. <laughs> and he walks up and he's like, oh, man, that's not a jet. That's that's it's a regular prop prop plane. And, but he did still get on and, and toughed it out and made the flight over. And we get there and, and our drivers, one of them, can speak a little bit English. The other one cannot speak so much or any at all. And my Indonesian consists of thank you at left, right, and straight pretty much. So it was interesting making that trip with these directions on the back of this napkin, driving through these crazy roads that hadn't been maintained in how many decades, who knows. And eventually we pull into this village after so many hours, you know, I think the last 10 miles of the trip took us about, two hours because of how slow we had to go over these what roads. kind of vehicle are you in um we're in a uh it was a regular it was a four-door sedan type of vehicle was it like a you 1982 know? toyota <laughs> yeah that sounds about right <laughs> i honestly didn't look at what kind of vehicle it was i was just focused on let's get to this cave before we run out of time um and we pull into this village and what it's a big scene the fact that us guys are pulling into the village because we're obviously not locals and it's like yeah, it's an event for a village like that when newcomers come into town that look like they t- really fell out of the sky um and they they brought us into this hut and the, the whole village piled into the hut and they're all standing around and nobody's smiling at this point now I've, I've told this story a couple of times so, so i am feeling a little like a broken record i'll tell you but <laughs> Nobody's smiling in this hut where this is a country where every single person I've come across, where there's a security guard, everybody literally has smiled at me in this country up until this point. Nobody's smiling in this hut. Elders come out and they're sitting around, they're talking amongst each other, looking at us, talking amongst each other. Guy comes out of the back room with this big ass knife, hands it to one of the elders, and they're just looking at him like, and I look at Brian, I'm like, and I'm thinking, what? At what point do we jump out the window and decide that maybe it's not safe anymore? Um, obviously, it was safe. None of what if, that worked out. What if they told you that they would have to cut off both your ponytails in order for you to go to the cave? Would you have done it? <laughs> if they took out First that knife, he was like, this is it. That's it for the ponytail. It's gone, man. That's a good question. That is actually a really good question. Um, you thought he was about to slit as... your neck, but he cuts off your ponytail. <laughs> Well, <laughs> first of all, I don't wear a ponytail. Okay, that's that's, that's one bun? thing that differentiates me. It's one. It, it, here, I'll let you see it. It's a. <laughs> it's a that's what it is. It's yeah, it's a bun. I just wrap it up and stick it up there. Oh, if they wanted to cut off my hair to go to the retic cave. <laughs> 
don't know. You got to put me back in that situation and let it play out. I don't know what I would have done in that situation. You know, honestly, I, I may have said no because maybe I thought it was going to lead to other things. Like, okay, the, he, he gave us an inch. Let's take a mile. Yeah, you once know? they cut off one thing, they'll start cutting off all types of things. Yeah, it's like because in many cultures, you know, cutting off the long hair like that is like they took your power. And now, you're, now you have nothing. So <laughs> – I don't know, man. Honestly, you'd have to put me back in the situation. So this elder um, has a knife. So what do they do next? Uh, then they, they talk amongst each other, and then we all decide, okay, let's get up and let's move on. We're going to go. We're going we're gonna to take these guys somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> off a and we, into a cave, wherever. Both of those things, yes. Off a cliff and into a cave. That's exactly where we went. And it was awesome, man. It was incredible to see these these retakes in the wild. It was, and to actually get hands on one, even though it was not the biggest retake in the world, it was still incredible to see a wild reticulated python in a cave full of bats. And I mean, this this cave was like bat guano, you know, up to our waist. That's wading through it to get through there, and just like ammonia hitting you in the face, and it sounded like it was raining inside the cave, but it was just <laughs> bat shit, just like. Blah 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 blah, falling falling on your head. <laughs> oh man, what an experience! You ever see Ace Ventura Gosh. when nature calls? <laughs> Guano. Yeah, it was it was a lot like that actually. <laughs> That's crazy. So, um, how long was like the hike from wherever the village was to this cave? Uh, we we drove from the village to the end of a road. Excuse me. And the, the hike itself was maybe, uh, it might have taken us about a half hour to get down there from the from where we parked. That sounds about right, about a half hour. And a little longer back up because we were waiting for, for Brian to huff and puff his way up the hill. <laughs> oh, they're probably like these fat Americans. Now they're probably fucking running through that shit. Like no. Big oh, these deal. guys are in shape. I'm. I, I don't know how old he is. Uh, I've got family in the Philippines, and and some of my my uncles over there who are older than them because they're very fit. You know, they might be seventy or eighty years old, but it's like there's not an ounce of fat on them. They still got good muscle tone, mm-hmm. and yeah, they and they they do and and they're smoking cigarettes, <laughs> <laughs> running up the hill. Um, I, they haven't had a carb in 20 in their whole lifetime, but, you know, a cigarette now and <laughs> yeah. then, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that was cool, man. I, I'd love to go back. I'm hoping to go back um, next year. And, and maybe go. Dave, uh, Dave Kaufman is maybe going to jump over from – he's going to New Caledonia uh, at some point, and – we're hoping to make plans to meet up in Indonesia. He'll bubble from Caledonia and I'll shoot over from here. I don't know that's going to happen yet. I'd like it to. Um, Are you still one trying good to point get to that... Komodo? Yes. Yes. Cause we didn't actually go to the Komodo Island. Right. Um, yeah. That would be awesome. I'd like to go everywhere, man. It, it before I'm done on this earth, I, I will have liked to have visited every con. I have not been to every continent. Um, I would definitely like to do that before before I'm done here on this trip, um, and yeah, Komodo. Uh, we can add that. We can throw that in that in that pile of places I'd like to get back I, to and, and get to. I can keep Antarctica for the for the penguins. 
I don't need to visit that one. You know, you know, somebody told me recently. Have you ever tried to go to Antarctica? Have you ever tried well, to, like, I heard that you can go to boat? South Africa and then take like a twenty thousand dollar plane to a research station in Antarctica. Because I've I've looked into it. Okay. All right, I just decided I'm not going to do it. It's not that I don't want to go. 100%. It's that it's very expensive. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, the person I was talking to, from what I understand, uh, money is not really an obstacle. And it seems like they're, what they were telling me is that you can't go to Antarctica. I don't know. I don't know. I've never tried to go. Uh, I have there's no a, there's, knowledge there's a on resort, the situation. Google, like, uh, Antarctica Resort, and there's a fucking resort there where you stay in this fucking hut, which basically you stay in a hut to look at the ice that's outside. And it's like it's like a twenty to thirty thousand dollar exclusive package. You know, you can bring twelve people for about twenty to thirty thousand dollars each. No big deal. And then you go to fucking Antarctica. So I've I've, hmm. I've done some research. All right, I'll send you the well, link. Start no, uh, no start repti- saving. <laughs> All right. No no reptiles there. I assume. <laughs> <laughs> no no no. I don't think so. So. As far as, I mean, Indonesia has one million fucking, there's so many little islands off there that are really cool with all distinct kind of herbs. Is there any specific island you would want to go to or anywhere else in the world that you want to go to in herb? Australia sounds like it would be amazing. It sounds like it would be incredible. Uh, yeah, Australia. That would be, that would be something, something else. <sighs> Yeah, as far as the next continent, because I, I yeah, go, go ahead. ahead, go ahead. <laughs> I know no, no, you. I've been I've I've been to Europe. I haven't even yeah. I haven't even been to South America. There's there's a lot of places I haven't been yet, so it's tough to say. Um, mm-hmm. Where I would go next, I would want to go with other people, and where other people want to go, other herpers, and maybe experienced herpers like like Dave, you know, somebody who's been to a lot of places around the world herping and, and has insight to a lot of these places and you successfully actually find something in the wild with you know um i'd love to go to south america with vin russo that would be he's been out there you know studying boas and stuff and that would be incredible because vin is a i, I talked to him at tinley for the first time this past october super cool guy man yes he's just like you just easy to talk to like dude, everything just rolls off the tongue and you just there's no we're, we're both from new york that's why oh okay ah, see? Oh, <laughs> i like you new york folks but i gotta tell you i i haven't that i know of i have not met a person from from new york that i that i don't like yet it's um, once you get past like the asshole ishness, you just dismiss that part. Well, I spent a little time in New York. Um, went there for a couple of weeks. Spent a week upstate and a week in the city. Um, went to a concert and, and everything. And my one city moment, I have one this New York subway moment. Well, obviously there's there's cool people busking and, and playing all, amazing music down there. And but we're walking. It's like rush hours, like you know, five o'clock, and people are going everywhere between the subway. And I'm I'm walking. And I half think to myself, like, I need a pen. I needed a pen, and I I said it out loud a little bit, you know, just a little bit. I said, I need a oh, I need a pen. And this hand comes out from the crowd. This lady just hands me a pen and says, There you go, keep it, and it's gone. <laughs> in like two seconds, I was like, Whoa, uh, thanks, <laughs> and. 
that that was my that was an awesome New York experience. And then it's everybody the... I met, like Vin, yeah, you, uh, I met um, at, at Tinley. I also met um, uh, Steve Rusis, Reptiles. You know the. I don't know if you, do you know Rusus yeah, Reptiles? Yeah, Reptiles. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that guy. That guy was cool as shit, man. I freaking I only met that guy once, and if he's listening to this at any point, or if anybody gets this to him, he probably think it's weird as shit that I say that I love that guy. But I fucking love that guy, man. That guy's awesome. See, your experience is like fifty percent of the time they're handing you the pen, and the other fifty percent of the time they're about to stab you in the liver or something. <laughs> so it's like, all right, well, I can appreciate that. You know, I. I it's always good to keep a person on their toes. Luckily for me, I, for some reason, I, I'm not somebody that people think find to be an easy target. Somebody that you know, there's easier people to stab in the kidney with a pen. Let's go for that guy. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I think it's cool. I mean, if for people who haven't traveled to travel all over the place, and I mean, I really got into. I read uh, Bill Love's book. He just came out with an autobiography oh, yeah. and uh, talking about Madagascar and all the crazy, amazing stuff. And he has basically like a whole couple pages devoted just to poop stories from, <laughs> from Madagascar. But. Oh, I love that. I love that. I, I got to meet him for a second at Tinley also. But that, this, that's what I love about Tinley, man. There's, there's so many people there to meet and, and talk to bill bill was one of them yeah i mean if people Actually, haven't I been didn't... to tinley man it is like the who's who and you know it's such a good opportunity to meet all the people that you've only seen in videos on instagram you know all that stuff hey riley uh, can i call your charger man yeah yeah your phone dying. So it's yeah, it went down to ten percent. If no one knows the whole situation, when I first got when I first got connected with Brian on this um, hangout, he was driving his car over to Travis Johnson's house because Riley, I guess, needed to evacuate his house in California because of the fires and bring his collection over there. So. They're all kind of together at Travis's house. And um, so, yeah, we just made it. That's why we were a little late because Brian was actually driving up to Travis's house. <laughs> yes. And luckily, Riley is here. Travis doesn't have an iPhone, but Riley does. And he has his charger here. And now I can plug in my phone so we don't lose everything. By the podcast gods. Podcast gods have said that it would be okay. And now I'm plugged in and we make this go all night if we have to now <laughs> there we go don't don't get any ideas because we could probably talk all night that's the problem yeah i melissa's always I like do. all right this gotta end it's two hours you know slow down but... <laughs> how, how do you how do you gauge that how do you do that do you uh do you at two hours do you guys cut off or what happens oh no it's youtube hangout we could do this forever long so it's like sometimes you lose track especially when i you know i've had people in person at our place talking and it's just been us bullshitting for like you know two and a half three hours and then melissa comes home or you know she's ditched us before it's not a big deal (laughs) that's cool man that's cool man. i can dig it so what's the scene as far as, I mean, it seems like a pretty tight scene. I know here in Dallas we have an awesome scene of reptile people. California is another hot spot for reptile people. So, I mean, like, yeah, give a shout-out to everyone who you're working with over there and how is the Cali scene as far as reptiles go? Well, I'm still, I'm still figuring it out, you know, being 
a newbie back into the thing here, coming back from the islands. Um, and also, I'm, I'm here on the central coast. So we have a much less densely, well, we have a much sparser population here compared to, you know, the Bay Area or Sacramento or, or Los Angeles, for that matter. Uh, it's, there's not a lot of keepers right here in our immediate area. Travis is one. Um, my buddy John down in Arroyo Grande um, keeps as well. Then there's some other people. There's, there's a guy here, uh, Bob Thomas, who runs a, a turtle and tortoise rescue, um, which I came to find out his, his company name is actually Triple T, which I thought was awesome. <laughs> but but he's, uh, he's, you know, been doing it for a long time. He has one of the most beautiful tortoise and turtle rescue facilities I've ever seen. He's got like Galapagos turtle tortoises that have their, their enclosures, like five acres, you know, and it's amazing. He's got all Dabras. He's got all these tortoises with amazing enclosures and it's, it's incredible. And I definitely need to bring that up because a lot of time people ask me, I just mentioned Travis and I mentioned John and I never mentioned Bob, but Bob, I mean, he's been doing it for long. He's a rescue guy. He's been rescuing all these turtles for a long time and it, it's that's incredible we, we need to go there i need to bring people people there on the vlog we'll check it out i actually have and i was doing these things called whatever wednesday on triple b tv before i ever started vlogging which was essentially a vlog but it was like you know things that weren't snake related i'd put it on whatever wednesday i think i did a total of 10 of them in the history of the channel and bob's was one place i went to and for some reason i have i never got around to editing that thing Okay, I'm going to do it. He's convinced me. I've still got the footage. There you go. One of these vlogs going to open the next couple of weeks. It's going to be of Bob's place. This turtle and tortoise. We, we all went there and helped him clean up and, you know, cut back branches and just do some landscaping stuff. And But other than that, it's that's that's about it. I think I heard some other girl just moved into town. Travis was telling me who's got a couple snakes and um, it's out here. So uh, I know this particular part of California. Yeah, um, I know you were uh, talking I, to me before of the place that you're at, but it's literally and figuratively Spanish to me. So it's like, where are you in between LA and San Francisco? Yeah, exactly halfway. I I actually determined a couple weeks ago that I've I've always told people that it's exactly halfway, but it literally is because I I was gonna have to fly out of either SFO or LAX. And it could have been either or. So I did a little research into how far each one was. And LAX was like 205 miles and SFO was 202 miles. So we're, we're literally Smack halfway between San middle. Francisco and LA. Smack dab in the middle. Um, down in Southern California, there's a, there's a big community. There's lots of people down there. And so I've San Diego, LA, that type of thing. San Diego, LA, yeah. Um, I've considered moving down there just to be closer to to people, but I do have Travis. I've got Travis here, and Travis is awesome. And honestly, he has Travis a bond too. That's excellent. Yeah. Travis for thousands of people in. Travis makes up for thousands of people in in one man, and, and he does have a bun. I never really noticed that. Thank you for pointing it out. <laughs> I'm rocking, I'm rocking the it's just normal to you guys because all your friends have them. Yeah, so. long hair well, I, I, I've had long hair for a long time, and I don't know. It's it's like trust me, I've considered cutting this stuff off like many. I'm just times. fucking with you. I just I only have short no, no, no. hair because I'm in the army. They don't allow me to have long hair. But I'm just kidding. Hey, I, I almost went to the I almost went to the army. That was a bad choice, no, but, man. <laughs> it was a bad choice not to. 
No, it would have been a bad choice. <laughs> oh, gosh. I only I got, I only got a few bucks, man. Oh, yeah? All right. All right. Yeah, I mean, I, like, I, can I, you I had read? a buddy. <laughs> well, apparently, the, the the guy who took so okay, this is completely unrelated to reptiles. I'm sorry. This is just but... for me and you. And to screw everyone who's listening, you know, this is just me and you, man. <laughs> is Tell anybody making it. comments? Does anybody want to hear anything? Yeah, like, but they're talking related? to themselves. They entertain themselves. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I love that. That's I love. That. I love when the audience can do that. They just talk amongst yourselves. We'll be we'll be over. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I took the Ezra. I was rolling through my hometown rolling through a parking lot on my skateboard one day which was a common place at that time and my my buddy pat who was my neighbor at the time was in the parking lot talking to some recruiters and i was just kind of skating i was like oh it's pat and I skated over on my skateboard and he's like Wrong i was like what are you doing he's like he's like oh we're gonna go uh, we're gonna go down to san jose and, and take the asvap test and well, i was like and i wasn't doing anything i wasn't doing anything that day as i many days i spent on my skateboard at that age um and I took that test and apparently I think it was, uh, I got like a 96 or something that, and it really, pissed, I remember that it really pissed off the guy that drove us there. He's like, what'd you get? And I told him and he's like, and he just got really quiet and he's like, I, <laughs> and and they told me stuff about Hawaii and, and this and that. And they're like, oh, we can get you. We can station you Schofield in Hawaii. barracks is dog shit. I know a lot of people have been there. <laughs> nah, no bueno. I ended up uh, – I still ended up in Hawaii without the military. There but, you um, go. But it's a lot more pleasant without the military. We, well, we actually used to um, play at, at Kemo'o Pub or probably call it Kemu's. It's right across the street from Schofield Barracks. Our, our band would play there a lot, and uh, uh-huh. it was cool. I mean, yeah, I got to talk with a lot of, a lot of guys that were in the military that had just come back, and it was you know, sometimes a little crazy, you know, talking with some of these guys that had just come back from from tour, and pretty intense, pretty intense stuff sometimes, you know. I can... <laughs> there are some interesting I can... people. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it was something else. It was something else, but I don't even remember how we arrived at this topic. No, no, I don't know. But someone in the chat just brought up Positive Python. So was that you're doing that group and explain it if it is or whatever? It's not my it's not I'm not the owner of the group. I didn't create it. Um, I was there at the beginning before it was created. It was Jay Brewer's idea. Um, Originally, I came up with the name, um, but he wanted to make a group that was essentially he wanted to be like the, the Disneyland of reptile groups, where there was, you know, everything was happy. No problems. Everybody got along. <laughs> Literally like Disneyland of reptile groups. That was the idea. And I, I was on board with that because I love Disneyland. You know? And I do. Riley just gave me this crazy look. Um, I, <laughs> that's I cute, dude. You else. know, that's so cute. But, uh, which would be awesome because, you know, I've, I've <laughs> seen people tear each other apart online. And it's like, yeah. I, I don't like that. You know, I like people to get along and have a good time and enjoy each other and learn from each other. <laughs> And that is the goal. It still is the goal. We got really big really fast, I think, because of Jay's influence. You know, I'm definitely the main admin on there, even though I'm only on there half the time, um, which is maybe partially why it runs amok every now and then. Uh, it's it's tough to control and and manage 8,000 personalities, you know. Yeah. We've got that's a lot of people and – Everybody has different ideas, and online, so much gets lost in translation, and it clashes. Uh, 
I would love for everybody to get along. That would be. I would love for everybody to communicate successfully. You know, that's that's my goal. Like, can't we all just hit a bong type of thing? You know, and but yeah. but it it doesn't doesn't always happen. I I like to think that it does fairly well. You know, it's gotten so quickly. It's okay. You know, with a lot of time, it's it's. And we have a lot of new keepers too, and we've got members who are very veteran keepers. You know. And sometimes that mix doesn't always, that doesn't work so well, you know. It's like well, sometimes you like try to give advice and people don't translate it as being respectful and you know constructive, and they get offended. Totally, and it's a whole mis. Totally, that's a big part of it. Yeah, that's a huge part of it. Is the text-based communication? The person reading it is the person that puts the emotion into it. You know, it's not you don't you don't get the emotion of the person typing it in that at all. You put your own emotion onto it. I think if people can understand that a little more, that'll make it for more successful online and text based communication. If you realize that the emotion that you're putting into those words are your own emotions, you know? Especially it's it, that's what it is. You're putting your own emotions into it. And if you're asking for help with anything, I think you need to be very aware of the fact that you are asking for help and people are coming on because they're trying to help you. You know, nobody's coming on because they want to attack you. Sometimes it can sound like an attack and sometimes yeah. not to discredit the fact that sometimes do people do come on saying, ah, you know, attack, but 95% of the time it's not the case. They're coming on trying to help you because you asked for it. And as a new keeper or as anybody on the internet, it can be very easy to get defensive and put your own emotions into what they're saying. And <laughs> something as simple as, you know, hey, uh, how do I, how do I, you know, how can I make sure my, my temps are correct? How can I make sure my humidity is right? And then people, the first thing I always do when people ask that is like, how are you doing it now? You know, like what, how are you measuring your humidity? What tools are you using? Blah, blah, blah. And you start asking a bunch of, anybody who's good at, giving some advice, we'll ask a bunch of questions first, I think, you know, to find out what does this person know? What are they working with? And I think a lot of times that can end up coming, making the person feel like, Oh, why are you asking so many questions? Like I, I'm asking you the questions here. It's like, no, we need, if you're going to help somebody, you got to know what their level is. And what information, yeah. 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 You need some background information. You need to know what they're working with and otherwise you can't really help them. So it's, it's a, it's, it takes two, you know, it's, it's a double edged sword. It, it <laughs> it's not a double-edged sword. It, it does take two people. You have to both be patient with each other. That or have a phone call. That's what I've done a lot of time. You know, somebody, uh, if somebody's getting really, like, hostile, and it's obvious to me when somebody's getting hostile online because there's lots of four-letter words and lots of, you know, fuck you motherfuckers that come out. <laughs> that, to me, isn't it? I'm not putting my own, emo own emotion to the words at that point. <laughs> this happens to, to me sometimes with people. I take them into, into private message to and that's something that's one of the, one of our rules it's part of our description in the group is if you have a disagreement with somebody you know and, and you can't like keep it civil take it to a private message and just talk with each other and don't make a big spectacle for everybody to stand around like a bunch of middle school kids going fight 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 you know um <laughs> which can be fun in its own right and i feel it, like that's what happens everyone likes loves to see the blow up and everything <laughs> It can be, but that's, you know, there's plenty of other groups for that. We're, but the, yeah, the goal I think to... that honestly, from an outsider's perspective, from a new person who got denied the first time because there was questions in between and I was really facetious when answering the questions, um, 
So sorry about that. If you had to read someone, someone denied me from positive pythons before I was accepted because it was, um, it was once when Ryan, um, put up the person for the, um, the banner contest. Um, I was, I drank a little bit. That's with flying honors. I think, I think it was after a podcast, so I drank a little bit, and then I answered the questions very, very sarcastic. So I think I got denied the first time, and then did it a second time and answered them. What, 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 how did you answer them? I want to know how you answered um, them. I forget. Ask me what the questions are, and I'll tell you exactly what I said. Um, okay, the first question is... Uh, do you do you have snakes or do you want to have like do you keep snakes or do you want to keep snakes like I think that's the first question. I think it was like uh, some of the smart ass like yes winky face or something. What's the next question? No, that's that's good. Well, yes, winky face is acceptable. Um, uh, do, you have, do you have snakes? Do you want to keep snakes? Um, are you willing to read and follow the group rules? <laughs> I think I said maybe winky face. Like you know, just being a piece of. Oh, maybe. Oh, yeah. If you said maybe, that was probably me that read it, and I probably said, okay, I don't have time for your smart-ass shit. (laughs) (laughs) I guarantee you that was me that denied you entry. I promise you. (laughs) Well, I kind of wanted to see whether it was, like, real life, whether you accepted everyone, or you were just like... Oh, no. I read the answers that... I'm pretty sure I'm the only person that actually, at this point, I I tried to bring on Anthony to help with stuff, but he apparently he's too busy to be bothered with approving people into the group. So it's all, it's basically on me to approve people. And yes, I read the answers to the Yeah, questions. you definitely denied me. I, I said something. I just, yeah, I don't remember exactly, but it wasn't. I want it to be fun. I, I'm, I'm a little bit jaded with the group, to be honest. It sucks to say that because yeah. I'm like, you know, it's kind of the group that I'm supposed to be running, I guess. Um, but I, I became a little bit jaded with it because of people's unwillingness to have patience for each other. You know, I was like, well, if you're not going to have patience for each other, why am I going to have patience for you? You guys go run them up a little bit. I'll step in every now and then and remove you if we get tired of it. No, for me, it was like, I'm drunk. Stop it with these Mickey Mouse fucking questions. I just want to get in your group. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> but I was just being an asshole. You know, classic. Uh, <laughs> and I, you know, I, I can have, and this is where, I, I don't know what, as much as I could appreciate the, the want for it to be a, a Disneyland type place where everybody gets along all the time, you know, it, I, I can appreciate that people don't, you know, and I, I don't want people to always get along all the time because that's not healthy if, if, if everybody's trying to get along all the time, quote unquote. It, you got to have disagreements. That's the only way. Again, going back to the beginning of our, our discussion here, you have to have disagreements to learn, to grow. Those have to happen. Yeah, I mean... And it, it would be nice. Go ahead. It's silly to think that everything is a fight. You know, everything upgrades from disagreement to fight instantly on Facebook because no one's face-to-face. So, like, I know plenty of people in the snake community, which I'm friends with them all, and they have disagreements with all each other. And it's like, you're all really cool people. You're just not really listening to each other. And you kind of, you know, have maybe an ego that doesn't fit. You know, we're all keeping snakes. Who has a fucking ego when you're keeping a snake in a tub? Everyone else, 99% of the world thinks you're a fucking weirdo. Like, (laughs) why do you have an ego when you're keeping a snake? This is is why we're getting along right now. (laughs) Yes, I agree with that philosophy wholeheartedly. That's a a point I've brought up before is like, hey, at the end of the day, we're, we're all keeping snakes in cages. Like, 
what's what's the big deal? Come on. Like we're all weirdos. If we're not friends with each other, then we yeah. don't have any friends, guys. Come on. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yes. Uh, I don't know how we're going to top that. I'm about that I'm about to give you a question that allows me to pee. So I'm trying to think of a very profound question that you'll be able to ramble on for amounts and amounts of time. So um, what do you feel is the future of, you know, your YouTube channel, your business? Are you trying to make this full time? You know, what is your ideal situation and what kind of time frame are you working with? Can you work with that question for as long as I have to pee? Oh my gosh. Um, I, I, I might have to, I might have to, uh, <laughs> we're going to pee at the same time. Uh, we could both. I mean, I've peed a couple times. I'll, I'll be honest with you. <laughs> you didn't know I was peeing, but well, I was that's fucking it. weird, dude. I didn't even know. I know. I, I considered telling you. You just did right doing your pants it. like that. Just... <laughs> no, no. I, I, uh, I pulled, I pulled the, my leg aside. You know, it's uh, let it run down. Your down third down leg. leg. It didn't touch you the pants. Your third the leg aside and took it out of the ankle cuff <laughs> of your pants. I wish, I, I, I wish that you guys could see the visual. Riley just came over and tried to use a, a pair of hemostats to uh, assist me in my, in my. <laughs> We're going to need a magnifying glass and a pair of tweezers. Uh, <laughs> and it was a big pair of hemostats. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was, he's giving you some fucking credit right there. Um, some salad tongue. Okay. You know, whatever. <laughs> okay, go, go pee. I'll, I'll answer that question. Go ahead. Go ahead and do, ramble. do your thing. I'm going gonna, gonna to ramble. So... What I'm hoping to do going forward is just what I've been doing. Uh, I, I'm definitely borderline <laughs> not making it right now on my own. Um, I'm very much needing help, which is why I'm launching this Patreon thing so that anybody who has a desire to participate in what I'm trying to do can can do so and in turn help me help me from going into complete poverty no, it sounds bad i'll i'm the type of person that will i'll always have a roof over my head and my family's head because i i won't let anything other happen otherwise even if i have to build that roof out of cardboard but i i really do I really do hope that I can find some kind of niche in the community or the industry, if you will, to where I can support myself financially and my family and, and continue to do this. And, and the timeline I'm working with is, hey, well, whatever, whatever amount of time that takes, I'm going to bust my ass to make sure that everything I need to meet is met and that everything I'm trying to do is done and whatever that takes. Um, sorry, it got really weird for me for a second when you left. I listened I trying to, to every part of it and I totally agree. Okay, cool. <laughs> you could have, you could have said, you could have said anything. You could have, you, you should have talked shit about me for four minutes. Stop it. I, I lost you. Sorry, these these guys are playing with snakes back here, and I think <laughs> Riley's getting bit, and he's getting way too much enjoyment out of it. <laughs> um, yeah, so 
to, to answer your question in a non-rambling form, I'm not sure that I can do that. <laughs> okay. Meaning not, I'm not so sure that you can make it your full time or <laughs> I, I'm no, I'm not sure that I can answer you without rambling. <laughs> oh. Well, I wanted you to ramble. Um, well, I, uh, oh, okay. Well, I, I start to feel like a moron because these guys are sitting back here and they hear what I'm saying, but they're not listening to me. And that's weird. We can listen. No, I don't want you to listen. They're just straight up ignoring um, you. <laughs> I think out of respect, but it 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 just come. I'm taking it a totally different way. You know, it's like it's like that same internet thing. It's like somebody's trying to respectfully do something for me, and I'm taking it a completely wrong way. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, I I would. I know it's possible. I know with the right amount of work and, and pushing and prodding in the right places that it's definitely possible. I mean, this was my first season producing animals and I have been able to support myself um, with that in my very first season for, for, for months now. And that's, that's something, but I know I've got a lot of work to do to make it sustainable. That's not something that was a stroke of luck in my opinion, nothing but a stroke of luck. That I was able to do that this this recently. Was that and, was that mostly? Sorry, I don't want to delve too deep into you know your personal shit, but was that mostly that sunset clutch? Is that why you're saying that you feel like it's most? Yes, uh, yes. And and the, but the crazy thing is, I didn't even have to. Uh, well, there was also a clown it's not pie. Luck. You made a good investment, and you you know successfully bred your animals. That's. That did happen. That did happen. But there was there's luck involved. You know, I could have hit bad odds. Yeah. Bad odds. You know, yeah. I could, but but I I didn't sell any of the visuals, um, so I guess there is you left money something. on the table, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I've still got I produced two visuals in the collection. I've I've got them both still. Um, somebody did put a deposit on one. I don't know if he wants me to say his name or not, so I won't. I would if I had his permission, and maybe I do. I just don't know that I do. But um, somebody did put a deposit on one of them, but also said. You don't have to keep them. You can sell them to somebody else and just give my deposit back. And I don't want this money back. That's what they told me. <laughs> so they just say, I, I love you, Brian. Take my money, whether I get a snake or not. That's kind of what happened. And I feel a little bit bad. I feel like I should just give that money back. That's what I, I think I'm going to do that actually at some point. Um, well, especially if has any opinions. Well, obviously, if, answer in the YouTube obviously, comments and shame Brian. If I, <laughs> if I sell the snake, then of course, obviously, if the snake that the deposit was made on and I sell it to somebody else, then instantly that money's going to them. Mm -hmm. But at this point, I still have the snake. <laughs> Speaking of which, I mean, and, are you doing, uh, you feel good doing 20% deposit, 10, or do you have a certain number? Yeah, I'll, I'll work with, um, I, I won't sell a snake to anybody that I don't get to talk to like this on the phone. I, I won't sell a snake based on text-based communication only because of the potential for miscommunication and not being able to find out what's really going on with this person. Um, so my point with that to your question is if they only have 10% and I feel that they are deserving of being able to, for me to hold this snake for only 10% down, I'll do it. You know, if I hear their story and I hear what they're working with and what they're trying to do and I, I believe in them, then I'll take I'll take 5%. You know, it just depends on the situation. I, ideally, 25% um, deposits is non-refundable. And if, if that person in that situation, you know, they took 5% and then got another 5% and then another, you know, I would keep taking that and I would still make the 25% non-refundable. You know, even if they took me 
if it took them five payments to reach 25%, that would be forfeited right there. For, for me, holding the animal and not having it on the market available for other people, um, you know, that, that 25% is always going to be non-refundable. That's the one thing that I have set in stone, kind of. And even, I say set in stone, I've never had to consider refunding somebody on that yet. So I don't know exactly what I'd do in that situation. For me, it's a, I guess the short answer to your question is that it's a case by case yeah. situation for me. It, it really depends on the person I'm talking to and how I feel about them. Yeah, I think people downplay that a lot as far as personal relationships. Unfortunately, like I have a lot of personal relationships outside of what I actually work with for some reason. But it's like, um, you know, I know pretty decent sized breeders that it's like, if you're a friend who constantly does business with them and they'll always play you and stuff like that, I mean, it's so important to build personal relationship with people in the hobby or people that you're buying from as far as, you know, you can make that judgment call as far as, you know, someone's done business with you before and they're a good guy and you know that their intent is pure and, you know, whatever. I mean, I feel like I would do the same thing as far as the judgment call type of thing, but... I'm working with snakes that are like maybe 200 bucks, but so take that with, I guess a little bit of a grain of salt, but, but yeah, I mean, I totally agree with, you know, your reasoning. It seems non-logical because it's non, um, it's not like one plus one equals two. It's more like, you know, John buys from me all the time. So obviously, and that's just kind of how the reptile business works, to be honest. Fair enough. Um, I, I'm, I am pretty particular about who my animals would go to. I think that a lot of people probably are. Um, I would hope, and I and I think that that they are. Um, there was a guy who had paid for his animal in full recently. Everything. Let, let me start out by saying everything worked out fine in this situation, and and a okay, and everything was good. But there was a moment where I thought that he wasn't going to allow me to have him pick up from the hub and was going to require me to ship it. It's something I don't do because there's too many risks involved there, in my opinion, with drivers that I've experienced. You know, that once it gets into the hands of the drivers, that's where things go wrong. Yeah. Um, and so I require people to pick up from the hub. I, I won't ship it to your house. You have to go to your local hub and pick it up there so that it doesn't have to be put into the hands of the driver to bring it to your house. Um, and I thought for a second, I've talking text with this guy that he wasn't going to be okay with that. And I was two seconds away from saying, okay, here's your money back. But, but then he said, okay, no, that's okay. I'll pick it up from the hub. And I was like, okay, cool. And I didn't have to say that. But if he was going to push the issue of me not, you know, shipping, of me not shipping it directly to his house, that snake wasn't going to go, <laughs> you know? Uh, so I've got a pretty what I'd like to consider is a pretty high standard for who my people, who, who my animals go to. Right. And I think it's important to understand that I kind of come from the opposite side as far as I keep corn snakes. So I feel like my market is a lot larger because I believe that with just some small information, I can help pretty much almost anyone keep corn snakes. And I mean, that's where I'm coming from. Yeah. I mean, that's why, I mean, ball pythons were different. I think people market them as the beginner pet without realizing that, you know, if you put these snakes in a tank and you're trying to feed them frozen thawed every week, 
probably not the best plan. Like, it's not going to work out as far as... I know that once my core snakes are feeding, they'll eat anything. They'll pretty much take any, you know, tank conditions and stuff like that. So I'm cool with that. How do you feel about, you know, ball pythons and beginners and stuff like that? Um, yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. Yeah, people do tend to say ball pythons are a good beginner snake. And to an extent, I agree. And the extent that I agree is that they, they are very docile by nature. Well, they are good and for the human, not necessarily good for the yes. animal. Right, right. The reasons are good for the human. Exactly. Yes, very much. Docile, easy to handle. Um, don't don't run away from you very much. They'll just kind of sit in your hand, you know, for the most part. But to your point, they're not as easy to care for as a corn snake here in North America, especially. Whereas a corn snake is very easy because they're from North America and you really can't mess up their husbandry, you know? Like, it would take almost, like, effort to mess up a corn snake husbandry here in North America. You heard America. it here, folks. No, I'm just fucking... That's my opinion. No, that's, that's <laughs> my opinion, is that... Um, no, yeah, yeah. You have I to mean, you have to make an effort to mess up your snake's yeah. husbandry if you're keeping a corn snake in North America. It's like you need to you keep really a didn't do your research above an infrared light bulb with a wooden crate. Yeah, with with, with no with no with no thermostat and yeah, no. you know give them nowhere to run to. <laughs> Just Whatever. basically put them in the microwave. Yeah, yeah. they're not, not going to survive that one. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, yeah. I mean that's yeah. yeah I, I, totally true. I think ball, yes, ball pythons take a little more effort in husbandry than, than a corn snake. It takes a little more know-how, a little more research in, in keeping the proper temperatures, keeping the proper humidity. Definitely. Um, without a doubt. I always it, – it's funny you bring that up because there was actually a girl that was interested in one of the snakes I had on Morph Market. And to her credit, she decided before we had the phone call, which is the thing that, I again, I always do with anybody I'm going to sell a snake. Well, I, they have to call me on the phone. We have to have a phone conversation. Um, before we even had that conversation, she decided that maybe she should get a corn snake first or something like that because she's never kept a snake before. And on my side, she was looking at one of my $8,000 snakes and she was considered getting one of those. And if I was a different person, I would have maybe tried to convince her that it was okay to get this snake for her first snake. Um, that's not what I did, of course, because it's her first snake. And I would never in a million years recommend that somebody get an $8,000 snake for their very first snake. That's just bad, bad things. There's a, there's a learning curve and you don't want to learn on an $8,000 snake. That's for sure. Yeah. Especially not if she told me this, she was, you know, working between jobs and whatnot. And, and I totally respect where she came from, you know, and had she not, had we got to that point. You know, had she not said that for herself, when we got to the point where she was going to say, oh, this is my, I've never kept a snake before, I, I would have put the brakes on that situation really quickly and still gotten her a snake of some kind, just not an $8,000 snake, you know, something that I would, I hand held, hand, I would have held her hand through the process of keeping a snake properly, but not with that snake. If that makes sense. I, I, did I, mean, I answer the question? Really resp- <laughs> no, no, that's a super responsible way to... At least accept the reality that most people don't, which is, you know, you think about the sale first and the animal second or the, even the keeper. I mean, what do you do to make sure, you know, obviously you're very vocal to other people and you definitely talk to other people to make sure that, you know, your snakes are going to someone and they keep proper energy. There's only so much you can do, but what do you try to do to mitigate the risk? Well, so far, just about everybody that I've sold a snake to has is already an experienced keeper. You know, people who who have 
snakes already and keep them successfully. So I haven't had to do a lot. And there's been, you know, word of mouth references or people that are friends of friends or acquaintances of acquaintances is that who. So I haven't had to work that too far on one side. There, there was one recently that I did with, with as actually a buddy's son. It was actually a buddy of a buddy's son. And I sent everything out, you know, they needed to get and, and made sure they had all the, I gave them a whole list of all the equipment that I wanted them to have before I would bring them the snake and, you know, how to set it up and all the temp guns and, and tubs and thermostats and the proper type of substrate, and literally everything you need to keep. And I, and I was like, did you guys get all that stuff? And he said, yep, we got it all. And I was like, okay, cool. And then you can call me if you need any questions, helping set it up. You know, I, I'll walk you through every step of the process to, to get that right. And then uh, his mother ended up calling me later to find out like some, some things, some, some simple things about setting up the snake, like make sure the, the heat pad was plugged into the thermostat. And I, I was like, I was a little bit disheartened because they hadn't even gotten the stuff that they had told me they had gotten. They they didn't all the supplies on the list. Like one of the things I said specifically said, you need this temp gun to accurately measure your, your temperatures, your hotspot temperatures. You need this heat gun. This is a necessary item. Is what I put on there, and they didn't. They hadn't gotten it. And there, to your point, there there's only so much you can do. You know, I, I, how was I to know they hadn't gotten what I told them they needed to get when they told me they had? You know, um, there was no way for me to know that until they luckily did tell me they didn't. <laughs> and I said, why? 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 I told you you needed to. Please go get it right now. Um, and yeah, so that's what I do. I try to make sure that the person has all the knowledge they need all the supplies they need and know how to operate it if they don't have an experience. It's just um, doing to it. us, to us, it's like the end of the world, but to regular people, it's like, oh, I'm just getting a pet. It's whatever, you know, it's just going to stay there, do whatever. And they don't think that much further than that. For us, it's a much different deal. And I mean, I've seen you, how you send out your shipments and stuff. So, I mean, explain all the marketing materials and all the shit that you put in your shipments and why you do it and, you know, everything like that. Well, the the only part, I guess you could consider everything marketing, you know, the, to me, to me, marketing isn't, I don't like to put that out there I guess as a negative say marketing. word. I don't find it to be a negative No, yeah, no, sure, sure, that's sure. That's what it is. Sure, yeah. no, yeah. To, well, to me, marketing, I guess it just comes naturally. You know, I don't, I don't think about what can I do to market this. I just do what I do. And apparently that's good marketing. That's what I've been told yeah. from an outside perspective. Somebody else yeah, told me the, that you got the, the, the right thing to do is the actually the best marketing that you yeah. can do. So. so I just I just do what I would want somebody else to do for me. It's that classic golden rule, you know, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Those are my those are my business tactics. Is that that is my business plan. Which is the best business tactic which people don't know about. It is so simple, it's so obvious that everyone was taught forever. So yeah, I don't know. That's just what I, what I do. And so, mm -hmm. I'll tell you right now. Um, one of my big influences for how I package the the animals for shipment and everything was was Ben. When I, I got a snake from him, um, one of the first ball pythons I got was from was from Ben, and I was very proud. I was like, "Wow, look at this! Like custom tape and and like this amazing looking business card and." So I wanted to take that, you know, what I what I thought was awesome, and just expand on it a little bit. 
and do the custom tape and, and have cool, you know, have business cards in there. And then I went, went as far as to put, um, you know, g- genetic paperwork, not well, lineage paperwork, if you will, you know, little pictures of the, of the parents and with the offspring and a little rack card that the same card that I put on all of my snake tubs and snake enclosures. I put my own little card that I, I got the idea from Doug at Hissy Fit Reptiles it had these awesome looking rack cards. And I saw them on his YouTube channel one day. I was like, oh, those are sweet. I need to make some of those. So I put one of those with every snake because I, I make one for them after they clear a certain point and they're eating on their own. I, I make them one anyway. So it's like if I'm sending the snake, I might as well send the card with them because they're not staying here. And uh so that and you know everything from a, a little tab like I, I put tape up on the on the top layer of styrofoam I, I make a little tape tab so that instead of having to like dig around the side of the styrofoam you just grab the piece of tape and pull it out yeah you're like the steve jobs of snakes <laughs> I, I i do like it being experienced yeah I, I want it to be again i want it to be what I would would look for, what I would hope to experience when I'm, you know, going through that process, that's that's what I try to do for other people is what I would want, you know. So it's just it's really as simple as that. Yeah, and I know our close friend of yours is Gar- uh, Garrett Hartle, and I saw his like just the marketing he does and the show display and everything. I mean, is he an influence in? Dude, that display, and... that display was incredible. Um, he on the technical side, he he definitely um, showed me a couple things on how to pack the problem, make sure they have proper ventilation. That's something he definitely um, instilled in my brain was how important ventilation is. You know, more even more so than getting the right temperatures is the ventilation. Is he said in all his years of experience of shipping reptiles, DOA's the number one cause was a lack of good ventilation. So that stuck really hard with me. Um, the marketing side, I mean, as far as just strictly the packaging on that, I more came up with, with my own stuff there. Um, his, his is amazing. His stuff that he does there is, is awesome. And there are many, many things that I do look to Garrett for. He, luckily, he's found something in me where he likes to call me and talk to me. I, I thank, thank the snake gods every day for that because he's a very intelligent individual and has lots of good advice to give more than I can handle at times. It's like, okay, hold on, let me process all this good advice so, and then I'll get to the next piece of good advice you're trying to give me. Um, but yeah, the packaging was, was kind of my own idea. But yeah, his his booth that he set up, oh man, that thing was killer. I, I was so taken back by how good it looked when I saw the pictures of it. I sent him just one word in every possible communication, like I sent him, you know, I sent him an email, I sent him a text message, I sent him a Facebook message, I put a comment on a post, just one word in each one of those spots, all simultaneously, it was, just, it was, dude, because <laughs> that's all I could say. I was looking at, the, I was looking at the setup. I was like, damn, I feel like I just walked into the gap or something. I wasn't even there, you know. Yeah, it's like, it's like we all, because we all go to reptile shows, so we know what to expect. His was like a professional, like you walk into, you know, if you've ever been to a trade show for an actual legitimate industry or something else, like his looked like a retail store in a little corner booth. It was fucking amazing. Yeah, 
well, he has a lot of he has a lot of experience there. I think you know he, he's worked in sales and in, in that type of that type of industry before he went full time with his, and that definitely shows through. And he's and he's a he's a good guy, man. And and again, yeah, he he treats people the way that I think he would want to be treated, and and that's where I think a big part of his success in marketing comes from is is that he's just a good dude, you know. And if you're a good dude, then then good things will follow. I think. So have you? Um... You may not be at the point where you're going to do reptile shows, but do you plan to do reptile shows in the future once you get producing more? Um, Dave, Dave asked me if I wanted to split a booth with him at Pomona, which is our big show here in California, um, coming up this January. And I, I want to. Uh, I don't know what I want to do yet. I, I want to... I want to do something good, you know. Obviously, I don't want to copy Garrett, but I would like to have something <laughs> awesome. Dude, that, no that one I... else will know, and they'll be like, "You're fucking amazing." So. <laughs> no, but he, he again with with all of his amazing ideas, he did uh, he did throw some ideas my way of what I could do to be a little different, you know, but still stay true to my own. Instead of stuff, wood, do brick, is... and you know, just change it all up. <laughs> <a tiny> bit. <laughs> um, so I'm not 100%. I haven't given Dave full confirmation on splitting a booth yet at Pomona. I haven't. I've not yet vended a show at all. Um, I honestly don't know if I will. Here's one idea I had: is to show up with a uh, just my just my two sunsets, and that's those are the only snakes on my table. Yeah. One here, one there. Big sign in the back says Triple B, and like a spotlight on each each snake. <laughs> that was that was. The I mean, that's I like the that's the Justin Kabelka. Justin will bring out a whole half a table of his snakes, all say not for sale. So there you go. <laughs> and I mean, that's not yeah. even. Um, I mean, I respect that because that's even. That is respecting the long game rather than the short game because everyone's like, oh shit, you know that Brian Cusco guy? He has good shit. We're not able to buy it, but maybe one day we'll be good enough to buy Brian's snakes. <laughs> so it's like, uh, you know, you're, I, you're running the marathon with respect. Well, I, I like to think that I'm in this for the long haul. Um, I've done I've done some other things that were very near and dear to my heart, you know, and, and tried to turn them into businesses or, or way to, ways to support myself, whether that was playing music or doing photography and and sometimes it can it can be a bit much, you know. It can, it can take the what you got into it for in the first place out of it. And so I am trying to be somewhat careful with this, and not let it do that because it, it happened with me for for a minute with music. You know, it, it sucked. It became work for a minute. I was like, it, it happened for a little while there, and I was like, that sucks. Why does this feel like work? I'm playing music. You know, why is this? Um, and and so. I really don't want that to happen with this. And I'm I'm trying to be careful to not let it do that. And one thing that it has going for it is that there are living things involved here, you know? So it's not like a guitar that you can just go put in the corner and let's sit there for a while and forget about it for a couple weeks. You can't do that. You know, they're going to die. You know, you got to care for them. You have to pay attention to them all the time. And I think that might be part of what will help keep me from doing whatever it is that happened with that other stuff, but it also plays into it. You know, it, yeah. that other stuff that I spent time doing, like, you know, on my channel, if you, if you listen to the intro music, if you listen to the outro music, all this, I, I recorded that. I, I played that stuff. I recorded all that music. Um, obviously all the video stuff I, I do myself and I try to make it look nice and 
kind of like professional photography and videography, which sometimes works, I think. <laughs> but I do strive to make it look good and, and feel good and sound good. And so those things tie into everything I'm doing right now still. I mean, that, that kind of ties into I'm, like my worry at the moment is like, can the little guy with good production value, good content surpass you know other things without sacrificing the you know say videos that i'm not willing to do you're not willing to do you keep very consistent content as far as very very good to the hobby and like very deep in our own hobby because you know you may be playing to an older group that because the, the hobby is mostly older dudes, right? Like most of the people that keep colubrids are 50 plus and I'm the only young dude doing it. And like you're in this and then like a lot of the guys are a little bit older and they may not watch YouTube. So it's hard to get attention on YouTube without reaching those younger guys and without going outside of the hobby. Do you have confidence in the fact of staying who you are and staying true to what's good for the hobby and growing your YouTube channel at the same time? Yeah, I mean, one one reason is because, and I've I've had this conversation with myself in my head, um, is I I'm not I'm not concerned with how many subscribers I get. I'm really not. I could care I could care less if I never got another subscriber, another new subscriber. <laughs> you know, I, I really couldn't. I I I want to build real relationships with people and reach out to real people and have. I don't want just a bunch of people I don't know you know, just randomly just liking it because it's a scene or, you know, it's a spectacle. I want I, my purpose for creating the channel in the first place is to reach out to people and, and get in touch with people and talk to people like yourself and like many of the other people that I talk to sometimes on a daily basis. And it's already become successful in my mind because of that. I've found lots of people and lots of people have re reached out to me and, um, and we're, we're forming these real relationships. And that's what, it, that's what it's about for me. I, I'd rather have a couple thousand just you know dedicated solid people that are subscribed and, and want to be part of what's going on with what i'm doing versus you know i'm not going to say that i wouldn't be bad to have a ton of subscribers but i think there's there's part there there are some bad there's things that could come with or, it yeah there's a balance yeah i mean you could get so many subscribers where that message has gotten lost but but again i don't know if that'll happen you know um to answer your question, no, I don't think I'll change uh, uh, into anything other than another version of myself. I'm not gonna. I'm always gonna do what I do. I'm I'm not gonna do anything because I'm trying to get more subscribers. If that's your question, um, yeah. I I'm happy with the amount of subscribers I have right now. I'm happy with the people that that I found that have found me that I that I'm now in contact with, and I'm really happy with those people. You know, I got yeah. I can go. I can go to virtually any state right now and I've, I've got people that will put me up in their house and welcome me to their homes. Like that's, that's, that's awesome. That's incredible. You know? Yeah. And I couldn't, I could ask for no more. I really couldn't like how, how cool is that? You know, I couldn't have imagined a better thing to come from that than, than, than to be welcomed to people's homes and hometowns and, and then them want me to be there. Like that's, that's great. Dude, it's I wouldn't like, want to ruin. I wouldn't want to ruin that. <laughs> that it's be, like, if I messed that up, <laughs> then I've stuck. But bro, I mean, I'm talking from someone who has 2,900 subscribers. You know, like not as big as you, but also it's like 
everyone's a core person who actually gives a shit. So it's like if I had 100,000, I may have a lot more people that don't actually on the surface may give a shit but don't really at the end of the day. It's like for me, just under 3,000 people still sells out all my snakes, still um, gets me educated people who want to buy my snakes, gets people who's interested in me just to talk about snakes, which I love to do. Like I'll talk to anyone about snakes, but I feel like even just we have tiny amounts of people in grand prospect of all the YouTube people who watch YouTube and shit, but it's like I feel like that's enough for me. So, I mean, I feel like I connect on that fact as far as more people won't feel like more people because like i have a core of people who really give a shit like true motherfuckers who give a shit yeah that's what it's about that's what it's about and um garrett mentioned at one point that i that i wanted to do youtube full-time he's right i told that to him i, I do you know that would be awesome but not in the traditional sense of youtube you know not in the where like because of the amount of subscribers and the the views that i'm getting get me the adsense dollars that will support me like not not through that you know that that could be cool i so that would that would work i suppose but more some some other way there's there's another way out there and i'm searching for it right now i am just doing... you know with go ahead where i don't i don't it's not going to be the adsense dollars that support mm-hmm. the 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 amount of uh stuff that I do. It's not going to be the AdSense dollars that support my family and, and do that. It's going to be the, the solid core people that believe in what I'm doing and, and want to support and want to see it happen and make it happen because it, they believe in what's really happening, you know, and it, it, it takes a village type of thing. And to your point, as you were talking about having that core group of people, something my father always said growing up um, that was not just a saying or a phrase. It was something he's a very intelligent man and does a lot of, he knows a lot about human history and natural history. And just, he's like an encyclopedia, this guy. Okay. Um, he always said that the most successful societies were small groups, small villages of like 30 people or so have throughout history proven to be the most successful groups of people or societies or small groups of people because everybody knows each other everyone knows what's going on if somebody does something off the wall it's not necessarily off the wall that's just that person that's how they are it's no nobody's like oh what is this guy doing they're like oh he's doing that he always does that you know everybody kind of knows each other and how it works and it makes for a very successful community yeah i mean i just for me i'm trying to find a way I want to make reptiles my full-time living, right? But I don't want to have to sell snakes all the time. I don't want to have to trade lives for money per se, like whether it be supplies, whether it be YouTube, whether it be something else. I'm always looking for a different way to make sure that I don't need to do a sale of 50% off all my snakes. Come and get them, motherfuckers. Like... I need to make sure that I don't fall into that because I feel like as much as I want to make a living on this, I don't want to sacrifice my morals to do it. And I feel like you kind of come coming from the same place. So, yeah, I mean, who wants to sacrifice their morals? <laughs> who wants who wants to sell their soul? Not anybody with a soul. Anybody who has a soul and knows what it's worth <laughs> knows that they, <laughs> that's not something you want to part with, man. That's your soul. That's what's that's the only thing you have going for you in this universe, you know, on, on a certain level, we're talking about 
intangible things <laughs> your your soul is priceless you know fucking hippie once you sell that shit <laughs> i'm not, i'm this is my last yes. beer of the six pack so <laughs> i dropped it <laughs> oh no now it's shaking this is going to be bad uh, that's like, that's just, that's your uh, that's your karma <laughs> Yeah, the goddamn devil I, coming after my soul. Goddamn it! <laughs> I I do have uh I do have hippie tendencies from time to time. I'm not gonna lie. Um. <laughs> well, once you take extraneous, um, I don't know. I've put some things into my system that have made my mind connect in different ways than it had previously. <laughs> That's just my. <laughs> <laughs> That's a hell of a way to put it. Um, mushrooms are on the bill for California to be, I guess, decriminalized or legalized, which means it'll probably be about 10 years really? away, but yeah. That's, I'm not trying to name any names of pretty... anything I've ever, you know, partaken in, but you know, I'm just making a general fucking statement, you know, guys? Psilocybin Cubanzi. That's a big... That'd be a big... That's very progressive of us as a state, I think. <laughs> Stop being so close-minded, bro. You're being so close-minded. <laughs> the fuck? Oh, and my God. That's a whole someone, different Someone podcast. on the chat just said, and we're off the rails. That is an entirely different, <laughs> different podcast. <laughs> if Donald Trump did shrooms, man, it would be a different world, man. That's just it. <laughs> That scares me. <laughs> <laughs> well, he shouldn't be the president on shrooms. He should do shrooms and be the president. Not, you know, whatever. <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? Uh, oh, my gosh. Uh, snakes, I think. Snakes? Oh, oh, snakes. I keep some snakes. Um, <laughs> so scrub pythons, dude. I fucking love scrub pythons. They're sweet. They're what, sweet. The, way they, the way they posture up. Just two. Oh, oh, locality, Marauke. Yeah. Southern. Okay. Um, yeah. Uh, they, yeah, the way they're, that their athleticism. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> so good. Yeah, the, the, the athleticism that they, that they possess and the, just the posturing, just the posture alone. I love when I, I pick up a scrub and By it pulls posturing... its neck back in that. Yeah, you mean about to bite you in the fucking face. Yes, that posture. Yeah, when I go back for that, that full, like, triple S in their neck. They have such long necks. And when they posture up like that, it's just it just looks like they're so, so ready. More ready than any other snake you've ever seen before. It's like like a, like a uh, am, like an Amazon tree bow or something, you know? It's just like, I'm ready. I'm ready. Bring it on. And it's yeah, they're cool, man. The iridescence, the I, I've got mine to almost stop musking on me. Almost, I you know if I make a sudden movement, then they'll, they'll still do it. <laughs> but <laughs> it'll be nice. They're still young. They're still to young. Me, they're that's, small. That's um, worse than biting. The musking is. Oh, it's worse much worse. I much rather. Oh, dude. I when you talk about a a smaller snake, you know, my scrubs are still small. When you talk about a snake that size. Yeah, with a head the size of your thumb. Yeah, I'll take a bite over a musk any day of the week. <laughs> like, I'd take 10 bites over one musk. Mm -hmm. 20 bites 
any amount of bites over the musk. <laughs> but they'll give you both, which is like, it's it's part of why people don't work with them, but it's part of why we should probably work with them because we need some captive generations maybe to calm them down plus like just respect the animals that they are yeah yeah um I, i'm i'm i like to think i'm doing that with mine i've got them to where i can you know pet under their chin <laughs> and and do that kind of thing which is pretty cool to be able to do with the scrub python and i'm hoping that they keep that as they grow into adulthood it'd be sweet to just be able to put pick up your scrub and give a little scratch under the chin <laughs> Good luck, man. <laughs> but my feet, my no, my female, my female does it. But the male's a little iffy about the chin scratching. The female would just sit there and just take it, just just like push her push her face into it. It's so so cool. I'm really hoping that she. It's not something she grows out of because that would be sweet. So do you believe in the fact that I goes. know Garrett has some dwarfs, and I always hear dwarfs are very very <laughs> aggressive, all this shit. But there's not very many captive bred you know generations as far as the scrub pythons the same thing do you believe that you know more captive generations will help you know chill these guys out i think it can sure yeah i mean to a certain extent uh, yeah to a certain extent it depends on who's working with them you know if if garrett's working with them three three generations downs of down three generations down of one of garrett's super dwarfs then yeah it's gonna be that's gonna be a chill super dwarf retake in my opinion, you know, because he works with them and he gets them used to being handled and uh, calms them down. Like it makes them less defensive. So yeah, I think I think it can be done even with a snake. If you get the snake right, that's why I choose to raise all of my snakes from hatchlings or from babies, you know, from from neonates and all that, is so that I can work with them and instill my own practices with them and, and get them to be the snakes that I would like them to be, which is not biting me all the time <laughs> and something I can handle and, and enjoy its company and presence without having to worry about bleeding all the time, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's Just definitely like, uh, something right? to consider with, uh, you know, baby retakes and stuff like that. So you yeah. you definitely I mean, believe just, as far as retakes, they have intellect to the fact that you can kind of tame them down or make them tolerate you to a certain extent. I mean, in my experience, I can only see it that way because all all the snakes that I I've got I've got eight eight reticulated pythons that I that I've some of them are still small. I've got a male that's still very small, um, and a couple of my bigger girls now are pushing 12, 13 foot. And I worked them, you know, I got them when they fit in the palm of my hand and I, I handle them. I work with them and I make them feel that they're, they have nothing to fear from me. And they're, they're, they're babies. They're little, they're little, you know, I can, I can pet them under the chin. I can open up the enclosure and have her come crawl out onto my hand and put her face to my face. And she'll just give me a little tongue kiss on the nose and they're good. They're good to go. They, they, I've got zero fear. Not that it couldn't happen. I'm not saying it couldn't happen. I'm not saying it won't happen. You know, maybe one day she'll come up and say, you know what? Screw you. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just realized you've been keeping me in a cage my whole life. I'm going to bite you in the face now. That might happen. I'm not going to deny the, the possibility, but I've got I've got very strong feelings that it won't because of all of the previous experiences, you know. Mm-hmm. Versus yeah. the snake that I just got, this pie tick that came in that I didn't raise from a baby who was not treated the way that I treat my snakes and I have to worry about her biting me in the face. 
Yeah, I mean, you want to take that as first prerogative, especially when you have a giant fucking snake. Yeah. Uh, and then it depends on the person too. So Riley, Riley just pulled out a snake of Travis's that is supposed to be a mean and defensive. And yeah, I mean personally, I Riley's barely handle any of my snakes that aren't outwardly semi nice to me. As far as you know, I just kind of leave my snakes be for the most part, unless it's my corn snakes yeah. and stuff. And I. I do that. Luckily, I have the amount of snakes now where that's kind of what happens. <laughs> but I don't, I don't have retakes. Um, if I had retakes, I would definitely want them to be chill. Yeah, yeah. You just yeah. many benefits to having a chill articulated python. When it comes time for cleaning, I mean, you know, and you've got to get them out of the enclosure, and it's a whole different world. As I've just learned to respect this last couple of weeks, you know, trying to trying to move a snake that isn't necessarily going to let you move it easily. Um, it's a whole different world. You know, cleaning cleaning time takes on a whole new meaning. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, and if, if you've ever yeah. seen a retic dirty its cage, it just sprays shit and piss everywhere. Which is like, yeah, I don't there, know there, how you guys sometimes deal with that shit. Sometimes it'll take me a solid half hour to clean one one enclosure, for sure. Yeah, but it's part of it's part of what you sign up for. You know, that's that's why. Research is important, and and you know, is your that's is your why wife I like to commenting talk. right now? I think is she, she said Brian's not allowed to get any more retics. <laughs> that's good. I can't imagine who else that would be. <laughs> <laughs> well, it says Hillary Cusco, unless you know. Yeah, unless somebody has uh, hacked her name and account, then that's definitely her. Well, I'll I'll fight for you, but my girlfriend's also posting as my username, so. She may fucking start agreeing and shit like a crazy woman, you know? <laughs> um, yeah, no, to her credit, she, she she grew up with a fear, a deep-rooted fear of snakes and worms, having nightmares about so did, snakes and worms. So did Melissa, so. <laughs> That's funny. Um, and now she, she cleans free ticks when I'm out of town. And... And actually, will go hold snakes of her own free will, just because she feels like it, which is a bit coming up, turning over a big leaf, as I'm sure you've you've experienced. Because Melissa's into snakes now, right? I mean, uh, we're like she does the, the podcast. Leaf is uh, half turned over. She doesn't fuck with the carpets or the olive or the pine snakes or she'll do the corn snakes. So the the leaf is maybe a quarter turned. Okay. Well, uh, when I say Hillary, I mean she cleans. The retics that I've raised, yeah. <laughs> not not the big pine. <laughs> She's not getting anywhere near that snake. She doesn't touch the scrub pythons. Um, <laughs> won't mess with the berm because she likes to talk a lot, and that's that could be a little bit off-putting. But um, but the the retics that I those the two the two big girls I have that I raised, she, they're handleable, you know. Um, but it's still a big credit, you know. I I give it to her to support me and, <laughs> and let me use our our guest room quote-unquote guest room yeah. as our as our quarantine space for these big for these snakes yeah melissa still tries it's... to call this a guest room because we have a mattress in the corner so she's like yeah we'll just put it down when guests come over it's a guest room <laughs> yeah it's a fucking <laughs> snake room that mattress never goes anywhere but um, yeah i mean she's you know she's comfortable with the things that aren't outwardly say... not comfortable with human touch and have to use a hook and all that jazz um... Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, it's good, man. That's good enough for now, right? Yeah, that's yeah, great. Hey, you got you got snakes in your house, man. I mean, uh, just to allow us to people think it's crazy that we take up a room in our house to you know have all these snakes and whatnot. I think it's pretty sweet that we have people at least stand our shit. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, I've got because I've got I've got two rooms. I actually built a snake room uh, this pat the end of this year. I just finished. I'm not even quite done with it. I've still got a wall that needs paint. I've still got a port. The uh, I don't need the AC right now, obviously, but I'm going to need it at some point, I imagine, and I'm gonna have to port that out through the wall. And but other than that, I'm pretty much done with it. And but I still am taking up. The guest room as as quarantine. So she she's all excited. She's like, yes, you build a snake room, and you get to get them in their own little snake room. And then I, Just <laughs> yeah, but, but 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 <laughs> I like to quarantine. Um. Yeah, you know, proper <laughs> protocol calls for me needing at least two rooms in the house. Yes. At least two rooms. You know, it's just, you know, general practice. So we've gone over two hours like we promised we would because yes! the aren't here. Um, tell us a little bit of how we can get in touch with you. Um, there's There are there are many, many ways to get in touch with me. Um, Instagram is not necessarily one of them. I do have an Instagram account, at Brian Cusco. If you comment on one of my posts, then that will be good. I'll see it, and I can talk to you there. For some reason, I'm not very good at checking the messages there. But it is a way to get a hold of me. Instagram, at Brian Cusco. Um, also, Facebook. You can find me on there at Brian Cusco. I'm one of two, apparently. It'll be very obvious which one is me. Um, YouTube, of course. If you comment on any one of my YouTube videos, I've got two channels. One is the vlog channel. It's very much my personal diary, personal public diary. Um, Brian Cusco or Triple B TV is the snake channel. Um, email, B Cusco. That's B, my first initial, K-U-S-K-O at me.com is another way. And that's about as far as I'll go. I'll, I'm going to make you work a little bit harder to get my phone number. <laughs> so make sure to refer any uh, Morph ID questions that you may ask me. Just refer, you know, just send them right to Brian. That's fine. And if you have any cooler questions or anything else, Core City Pythons, Instagram, Facebook, whatever, whatever, whatever. Just kidding. Don't annoy Brian with random shit. Um, what else do I need? PoorCityPythons.com. I don't remember all my own stuff. Melissa's usually here to market for me because I randomly ramble when I'm drunk. And we're out. Thank you guys so much for listening. Download iTunes, podcast, YouTube, all that shit. Thank you guys so much. See you later.